The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. to episode six of Your Average Ordinary. I'm your host, Dan Torres. Normally, I kind of, you know, have a message at the beginning or mess around at the beginning at all. I want to get right into this this week because we've been sitting here for the past 15 minutes just catching up. and I've been so excited <laughs> to talk to you all week. This Thank is you, one of my favorite people in the entire world. He is a professional actor in the Buffalo area. He comes from an acting family. He is a three-time Artie Award nominee. And he is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people on earth. Please give it up for Alejandro Gomez. What is up, everybody? What's up, brother? I'm so happy to see you. I can't even. Oh, dude, I can't stop <laughs> smiling right now. Can you hear me smiling? Yeah, I, I think I think everybody can right now. We just have like this joy and this energy in our oh, voices. Oh man, I'm that loving it. I can hear it in myself. It's weird. We yeah. just we just sat here for the last ten minutes trying to open At up least. a bottle of wine. <laughs> At least 10. Listen, before y'all start making fun of us, <laughs> this wine bottle was made of vibranium. Okay? This thing was the Fort Knox of wine bottles. Like, it really was. This cork would not come out. We were pulling I... and tugging and, like, <laughs> I was trying to be all casual, trying to open this shit up right in front of Dan. We're trying to, and Dan's trying to not make fun of me because he's an angel. <laughs> and I give up and I hand the bottle like a little brother to Dan. Can you please open this one? And I kind of trashed him a little bit too. I was like, "What's going on? Like, why you can't should've. you? Why can't you do this?" And then I started pulling. I immediately yeah, felt I, like I a got you ass. back. Because... <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I love you, brother. I, I love you, brother. So much. I missed you too. What's been going on? Oh man, I just been living day by day, dude. Now that we're getting to like normalcy, I'm trying to like figure out like what I'm ready to take away from this pandemic. Mm, you know, what I feel I mean? that. So I've just been, you know, taking that very serious, taking that personal. So where's your line of thinking, Ben, with that? Because I've had this conversation with a bunch of people, and we've talked about how it's either motivated them mm -hmm. or it's kind of put things in perspective of what they actually, like, want to do with their lives and certain things like that. Mm -hmm. or do you find, like, similarities in that? What are, you, what are you thinking now? Oh, most definitely. I think I could, I could relate to a little bit of all of that. Um, there was – for me personally, the pandemic was – Filled with a lot of loss, a lot of change, mm -hmm. um, which forced me to put a lot of things into perspective. One um, taught me even more so because, you know, my parents kind of uh, raised me with the, the principle of never taking things for granted. Yeah. But <laughs> times 10 with this whole pandemic, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's true with a lot of uh, Hispanic or Latino parents, too, is like yeah. we can't take shit for granted. Most like definitely. we always got to work for what we've got. Yeah. And I think that that's. That's just something that I'm going to carry with me moving forward, and it's, you know, I feel like I'll be better for it. In terms of motivation, it's, it's. I want to say the perspective has increased my motivation because mm -hmm. it's giving me, it's given me like a clear vision of where I want to be in life and how I want to get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's, it's it was a mixture of all of it, man. Like I, I a lot of people want to say like, oh man, I just I put my I put my my 
whatever you want to say. Like I just kind of started grinding and then you got other people where it was like fully depression and just like, which I can just relate to everything, man. It was yeah. kind of, for me, my pandemic was a bit of a roller coaster, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, but I'm kind of like teetering towards the middle now. Like I guess yeah. you could say the roller coaster is ending and I'm catching my breath and, and, um, I'm okay. That's you know good, what though. I mean. That's that's the main takeaway is I'm okay and I'm ready to move forward. That's you know awesome. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. I I'm so interested to hear everybody's like quarantine stories oh. because I know personally what I went through like during quarantine wasn't fun at all. Mm-hmm. Like there were a lot of months I was questioning like different motivations I had yes. and different things I was doing in life. Bro, and you really you really just see that like the universe has its own way of telling you like. This is where you need to be. Next. Isn't it wild? Mm-hmm. My brother and I talk about it all the time that we've kind of a, a big takeaway for us in terms of how the universe works is that it's it's order through chaos. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you kind of just kind of you got to find your way <laughs> in all of that wild insanity that you call life. Yeah. You know, I know you got to find your own path. It's carving your own path through everything yeah. and navigating through you know, the curveballs that you never – nobody would have ever thought a year ago, like even a year ago now. It's so Bro. funny to say a year ago now because a year ago now we were in the pandemic. Yeah, and it feels it feels crazy to think about that that's, that's only a year ago. Yep. And how time works that way where it feels like it was so long ago, mm-hmm. but it was so – it was only a year ago. Yeah, the months have lasted longer than like ever oh, during this. Fam, at one point I didn't even know what day it was. Mm-hmm. I want to say early in the pandemic, it was like a. I'm just glad I had my family to just like check in, be like, "Yo, what day is it?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, where actually, am I at? What even am I that doing? shit was hard, man. Getting, getting, getting cabin fever, and 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 like you said, it was. I think a lot of the the depression and just like the loneliness came from us having to hibernate for a year mm-hmm. and it was like a forced hibernation yeah human beings are not meant to just be no not at all like that. and we're supposed to be social too so like not only the hibernating but if we can't see nobody at all bro and i would i would define you and i as introverts and even for you and me it was like yeah i need to talk to somebody yeah exactly <laughs> you know what like i, I miss my friends i yes, haven't seen dog. these people in so uh, long it was tough yeah but that's good how's how's your mental now are you doing okay Way better. I think the fact that I can say I take life day by day is just a, a testament to that, too. You that's I mean? all you can do, though. And I'm um, glad you're starting to realize that because yeah. that's all we've got is like is one, the day at, moment. Yep, one day at a time with yeah. everything. I, I think that's one thing I've realized, too, is is one of the, uh, I guess, a form of catharsis that I got from acting was that I was forced to stay in the moment on stage, mm. that it was encouraged. So in a way, I kind of looked at the rehearsal room as as a a form of sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Same with being on stage. Same with being backstage with with my on- ensemble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's almost like I've been trying to capture that same that same motivation of just staying in the moment. Yeah. Not getting too too uh, analytical. And you know what? I, we always get caught up in like saying a line, and sometimes we'll be like, "Damn, I said that shit kind of good." Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> And then you're like, oh, shit, what happened? I know, you know? we've all been guilty of that. Right, and, and it hasn't happened for a while, but we've been there. <laughs> yeah. But um, And I think I think that's that's something that we can take with us in real life because I, I know me, like, I like to psychoanalyze the characters that I play, and mm-hmm. it's a danger to do that shit in real life. Yeah. And so it's something I've realized that I've 
tended to do my whole life and it's it's a reason why i've struggled with depression yeah you know what i mean so having to fight that and and staying in the moment and not getting too caught up in like what is the reason behind this Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean yeah you know we talk about motivation but also being able to just sit there and be like we're good and just chill out for a minute we're good yeah because your brain just tends to pick and like you have the same kind of brain that i do where Mm -hmm. like you'll sit and no matter what people tell you your brain will always like analyze why you're not good enough. Like that's the first thing they'll do. Right. You good? Yeah, 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 I'm good. Oh, they dying over there. <laughs> that wine went down the wrong, uh, wrong pipe. Yo, this wine is trying to kill us, y'all. First we couldn't open it, now I'm choking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this may this may be the last episode of this pod. I think I say that every pod now, but this might be the last episode specifically for insurance reasons. It, it might be the last you see of me. I know that much. I'm loving the podcast, but I might be gone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, but um, it, it, our brains like tend to just nitpick, and they mm. tend to like pull everything apart. And like, you're the same way that I am, where uh, you'll take something really seriously. If mm-hmm. you have something, you will take it seriously, and yeah. you will make it your whole life. Mm-hmm. And that diving in and that particularness to like detail and things like that, I feel like sometimes that makes us more analytical, where we're like. Because we're trying to do it justice, we pull apart the things we're doing wrong rather than what we're doing right. Exactly. Yeah. We kind of get caught up in, in <laughs> what we need to do rather than what we're doing. You know, it's I had this realization recently where I was I was building up my my work resume, which is something I haven't I haven't updated it in so long. Mm-hmm. It was like four pages long, just some bullshit ass resume <laughs> when I was nineteen. But um. I'm looking at it and I'm looking at all the like the windows of of unemployment and like looking at all the reasons why I was unemployed. I'm like, damn, dude, I was doing shows this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time I had this con- uh, this misconception of of myself that I was just I've just been kind of sitting on my ass. But, you know, I look at one window and it's like I was in school during the day. Yeah, I was in rehearsal at night. Basically, that was my part-time job, and that's how I was making money. Yeah. I was blessed enough to make money through my career, through my trade. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of put me at ease a little bit because having that misconception of yourself can really eat eat at you, Mm -hmm. eat at your heart, eat at your your confidence. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's hard being in an environment like acting and like theater because so many people's professions aren't like ours Mm -hmm. like we live a very very different lifestyle than a lot of people do yeah and that's why i've always bonded with like that's why i feel like i bonded with you from the beginning because Mm. you've grown up with this yeah and then that's why like i i talk about my friend kevin to you all the time but that's Mm -hmm. why i bond with him so much too Mm. is because like even though wrestling is a different world he's still like out doing things every weekend and like nobody sees him and stuff like that and like he gets that same thing of like where have you been? Like, what are you doing this whole time? And mm. like hearing those questions can make you start going, yeah, like what have I been what doing? What have I been doing? And then <laughs> yeah. you're like, I've been doing like I've been honing my craft. I've right. been like we just belong to something that takes a lot of time and commitment to yeah. be able to put yourself behind. Exactly. And and you know, it just it gets me to the to the to the I guess the point of me at some point 
getting ready to spread my wings and, and make it a career where I can support myself financially and, mm-hmm. and other people financially with this with this craft. That's kind of where I've been. That's another lesson I took from this pandemic is how important it is to me to not only fulfill myself artistically, but also financially. Yeah. At some point, you know what I mean? Because I, I love my theater community and I love the people in it. And I've gained so many beautiful relationships, including the one that I'm, you know. Hell yeah. Experiencing right now with you. Yes, sir. Um. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I see myself is being able to uh, fulfill all the the goals that I see myself uh, achieving, and not only for myself but like for my family. That's awesome. For just like my community, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You yeah. always got to have an end game. Oh, like there, of course. If you go into something without a plan and you're just like like the day by day approach that we were just talking about is great and mm-hmm. you need that approach too yep. but you also need to have that overall arc of what what am i doing like where do i want like exactly. where do i see myself going and it's almost paradoxical in the sense that if if you don't have that vision mm-hmm. taking it day by day de- taking it day by day excuse me can be chaotic mm-hmm. and it can be detrimental to your mental health mm-hmm. you have to have some sort of vision in order for you to be like it's tuesday Yep. This is the day where I do this. Mm-hmm. You know, having some some sense of of normalcy will give you a sense of sanity. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this pandemic's been like I feel like I've worked a lot of things out, and I'm glad you have too with <laughs> with doing that, bro. We've had we've had no choice. No, you know what, I mean? what f- else were we gonna do? The <laughs> forced break is kind of nice. I've been talking yeah. about that with a lot of people, but uh, I I said this a couple episodes ago, but. You um you understand the way I do that I wanted to take a break um in 2020 that mm. was that was a big thing of mine and I think I told you that I think after I said after Miss Nelson I just wanted to like yeah. chill out or do whatever but we have that complex in us where something gets offered and we're like okay like what's another six weeks like we <laughs> exactly. could do that it's hard to say no yeah it really is but this we were forced to say no and mm-hmm. it forces you to take that step back and just be like okay. What do I need to reset? What do I need to do? Like, yeah. how do I feel about certain? That's why I ended up with this job I'm at in right now. I could mm. have never figured this out if I hadn't been off and not been working in theater because I had to force a switch perspective on yeah. things. Yeah, and, and again, having to sit in your room, bro, it's <laughs> looking in. If you have a mirror, looking at the ceiling or just at, it's at some point, you kind of have to decide for yourself whether you're going to take care of your issues or not yeah you know what i mean the call of duty Warzone became my life for a little bit dude <laughs> it was embarrassing <laughs> it was like embarrassing where you're where you're when you're at the point yeah. where you're getting multiple doves a day Son. like that's damn <laughs> it's multiple too much doves a day yeah bro my squad's like we're tight with that uh, i yeah. i'm at like if you go to actual verdansk i'm at like 45 or something like that mm-hmm. uh my body has like I think 75 at a point, but we were playing, they just added this new Kingslayer mode the other day where it's like trios and you just go in and whoever um, on your squad has the most kills, they get a flag Mm. and you get even more points for killing that dude or whatever. So like it's up to a certain pointage, but we were doing that and we won our first three games in a row. This is our first time we played that mode. You're a veteran at this Uh, My squad's good. 
Bro, my squads. See, that's really why good. I always have this fear of playing now because everybody's been playing it for so long. I'm not trying to get carried or just get my ass. That was my for fear like too. Yeah, that was my fear you know too. I mean? But you gotta. My my thing was too. Like I forced myself into solo situations too, mm. where I learned how to handle myself by myself. You if just I threw yourself to. into the fire. Yeah, that's what you gotta Rambo do. Rambo style. I see you. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> so how did you like? I don't know if I've ever actually asked you this before, yeah. but you've been somebody with this crazy longevity. Like, I uh, grew up in my acting career watching you, which mm. is a weird thing to say, but we'll get to that in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but where did you get – I know you went to performing arts, but how did you get started doing your whole thing? Oh, man. Um, I remember not liking it as a kid growing up <laughs> because my dad <laughs> wanted me to do it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Um. I uh, I did a play when I was like six or seven with a program called Antecesores, mm-hmm. um, uh, led by Sheila Lopez, and I just was not liking it. And then I remember in seventh grade, I did uh, Beauty and the Beast, mm. and I got guest on. And I had like of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. And I had like a patch of hair, like a fake patch of hair that I had under my shirt for the reveal. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> And, um, bro, I just remember getting this, like, this intense high every time I was on stage. And I recognize it now as, like, sanctuary, mm-hmm. as being able to just perform and do what I love and just be present yeah. while people are, you know, being entertained. It's just, it's something that you can't really put to words. It's like, I'm trying to. It's indescribable. Um, and I remember vividly two things. After the first show, uh, this young woman walked up to me. She was a theater student at UB at the time. Okay. And I was just like, I was literally walking into our 2007 town and country. (laughs) uh, And uh, she just walked up to us and she was like, excuse me. I know you don't know me, but um, you were really good. And I think you should consider pursuing this as a career. That's awesome. And I was like 12. I was just like, uh, okay, <laughs> thank you. Because <laughs> you don't think about it at that time. You're, oh, no. When you're 12, everything's just like, oh, life is just a Bro, mystery. Like, I wanted to be a Buffalo Bill at 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> still holding on to those dreams. Oh, yeah. Pretty sure I still had, like, my Batman mask in my back pocket for, like, <laughs> I mean, you low-key low got to live out that dream with Coquizo. Hell yeah. You know what I That's mean? That's something we'll get to, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the time, my parents wanted me to go to Canisius or St. Joe's or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second memory is we got into the car, and the entire time, I think my, my sister Amada was two or three at the time. Oh, yeah. She's in her car seat, and I'm sitting next to her, and she was staring at me the entire way home. Like, a half-hour car ride, Riverside to South Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And my mom kept saying, she's starstruck, she's starstruck, she's starstruck. And it was so interesting to see who she is now, the artistic person she is. Yeah, um, she's awesome with all of all of her abilities. She's going to be the best of us. Mm-hmm. I always say it. I could see it. Yeah. I 100% could oh see it. Oh, my goodness. She's multi-talented, to say the least. Mm. Um, but that feeling of... of you know, we always we always try to say that we don't like that type of attention, but having that type of effect on people where they can look at you and say, "Wow, like you're you're good at this." It's amazing. It's a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but in an unselfish way, I look at it as as a means of of affecting people in in the right way. Yeah, you know? people yeah. being able to look at you as a leader, and and it's something that I don't take lightly. Another another quality that my family instilled in me was being a leader, and um, I've kind of struggled with, with the idea of leadership because I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm an extroverted introvert yeah it's (laughs) i I, I feel like i'm the same way which is really weird like Mm -hmm. we're social in situations where we need to be social and we need to talk but other than that we prefer to just like to be alone be at home or like not even alone too like we're more homebodies i guess yeah yeah yeah, like uh, like if you're at home you're probably chilling with like your brother and your dad when i'm home i chill with my brother too like Mm -hmm. it's like it's that type of thing. We'll chill together if yeah. we have nothing to do. But and it's I've like, come to terms with that, too. Yeah. You know, for a long time, it was like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I want to go out and talk to people? Built different. Bro, we're just – it's it's introverts have this thing where it's I, – I heard it on a podcast. Introverts are like you have five coins when you wake up. Mm-hmm. Every time you talk to somebody, like, in an intense way, you give them a coin. Mm. When you run out of coins, you have to go and recharge. You have to go and build up your coin again. Your That's account, a great way to put that. Right? Actually. And then extroverts, they're a coin slot. Mm. And and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. They love they love having conversations. Mm. So it's like, oh, I'll take your coin. I'll have your coin. Yeah. And, I, I, and I don't mind. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's that it's that balance for introverts, where it's like it can be very draining mm-hmm. having a social interaction. You know. Yeah, it really can. That's how Julie is a lot of the time, too. Oh, yeah? And you've seen that, too, but, like, she, a lot of times will do a show and, like, we'll get done with it. And especially after, like, West Side Story, where, like, a lot of people will be at the bar after, like, we'll be mm-hmm. hanging, and she just wants to go home. Like, yeah. she just, like, and it's not that she doesn't even want to be around the people. Like, she wants to interact with them, it's but not she's personal. just drained. It's her social battery it at that point. It just is what it is, though. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and at, one, at some point, you kind of got to accept it as, as self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, if your body needs to recover the way that it does, look at it as like if you went to the gym, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you're suffering from injuries. Right. And you ice your ice your knee every day. Something that I do. Yeah. You know, we can get to that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> My 50 year old body. I know. Same here. My knee's been acting up, too. Um, But if you don't ice it, you're going to feel it the next day. You know, and it's the same thing. Like if you, if you don't, if your body is telling you, you know. Maybe you should go home and just rest up. Mm-hmm. You should listen to it. Now, yeah. sometimes you have to, you know, kick your own ass and be like, maybe you could use the social interaction mm-hmm. today. You know, because there's a, almost a, a there's a dark hole you can get yourself into if you're just constantly like deferring social interaction. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then it because then it becomes like, oh, nobody wants to hang out with me. Why doesn't mm-hmm. anybody want to hang out? And it's, and it's a, like, and it's like you kept saying like, no. <laughs> Hundred percent, but yeah. it's but it's like that cycle that we can't break. It's just like I know, but like I need to say no. Like that's mm-hmm. just how I feel with that shit. Yeah, it's yeah. it's sometimes you just got to put yourself in check. I think it's important that you mentioned before, though, like your responsibility as an actor to like create a good influence oh, yeah. on on everything too, because some most people don't take that into an account, uh, like into account. Bro. I've seen that because of like children's theater and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. the influence you could have on that. Yeah, but adults too, like a good show can impact anybody. With most that. definitely, most definitely, and I think, yeah, I think for me, I've had this. Uh, this, I don't know. Like I've, I've questioned why I considered myself a servant as an actor, mm-hmm. and I think it's just, 
I like to make people feel okay. Me too. You know, make them feel, and, and I, I say that in regards to being in a cast for mm -hmm. one. Like, I like to make sure that my cast is safe. And like, I, I've worked with you. Like, I go around to every single cast member before every show and say, I love you. I got your back. Yeah, and I it's, love it. It's because I mean it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, if shit goes down, like, you can count on me to be there, especially on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But I've also, and we're talking, again, we're, we're going back to being fulfilled artistically and financially. I see this, bro, there's, I see that this country and this world really does run on money. Yeah. And it's hard to say, but it's, it just, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and I love that I can affect people with my art and my craft in a way where I can, I can educate mm -hmm. i can i can uh what's the word like nurture mm -hmm. you yeah. know i can bring experiences to people's lives that they wouldn't experience otherwise that's what's something that i think is special that's something that i've i've uh learned and and taken to heart through raices mm -hmm. um but in regards to finances man like for a long time during the pandemic it was kind of I had doubts of myself as an actor mm -hmm. and I kind of started looking at different ways that I can make money and in, in, in a way settle. Um, I, I started falling in love. Oh, you going to cough on me? No, I'm good. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. I got you. I burped, but I, I did it <laughs> off mic so that well, no one would hear. Well, they know now. Now they know. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on blast for that one. I got Appreciate you, dog. It. I got you. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So like I got big into like, my own physical health so it made me fall in love with the idea of physical therapy and becoming a physical therapist oh good yeah yeah, yeah. um so i've had thoughts about going back to school and studying that as well i think that would be great for you yeah and it's it's i i've always i've had trouble finding a way of uh finding a skill set for myself outside of my art and mm -hmm. my craft uh to fulfill myself as a person and financially like as a job yeah and i think this is kind of that's where i'm landing on as i've gone on this mental health and physical health journey mm -hmm. is uh is i'm falling in love with that man Attaboy. i really love the idea of making helping people heal you know we talk about the idea of being a servant as an actor and being able to educate people on their body and what's going on and how they can fix it mm -hmm. i love that idea that every everything that you want in your body is in your hands. Yep. You know, yep. it's all fixable. It's just willpower and want to, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously education and doing it the right way. And that's where physical therapist comes in, into play. I think that's you know? such a good thing for you, like, yeah. especially with your energy, because Thanks, so bro. many people don't want to, especially like if they're going through an injury or like pain or anything like that, mm -hmm. it's hard to find that motivation and push yourself to be able to do that. And your positivity would help so many people with that. Too. Bro, and I've been down that dark path, mm -hmm. you know, Me having, too. and having an injury that's connected to a show, you know, <laughs> is tough. You know, it was a mental block and it, it, it put me down this dark path of depression of, of doubting my myself physically yeah you know what i mean yeah not not as an actor but just being able to to take the stamina of being a professional actor mm -hmm. you know what i mean um but yeah that that that's something that i've i've come to terms with is that i want to work in like the physical therapy industry somehow maybe as like a trainer at a gym but in but in in introducing 
uh, physical therapy as an aspect of training. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and having that be a skill set that I can take wherever, whenever, and have it be something that I use for myself. That's good. You know, it's that's something that, that you know, you have this podcast you were telling me as something that you wanted to do because there was nothing to do during the pandemic. Yep. Me taking care of myself has been the thing that I've decided to do. Yeah. Just watching what I eat and going to the gym every day. It's 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 worked wonders on my mental health. Yeah. And coming across that connection, the mental health and physical health connection has also been uh, amazing. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Sometimes the pain your body's in, you don't even realize it's affecting like your mood or oh. like your mentality or things like that. Literally. Yeah. I You know, you go to the gym every day and, and you wake up the next morning feeling good for no reason. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're I like, know. I don't know what it is. It's raining outside, but damn, I feel good. I didn't you know, groan and moan when I got out of bed yep. today. I did my first workout Monday that I've done since like in a couple of months yeah. probably. And I woke up the next day like so sore, but I was just feeling like great. I was you so feel happy. You good, mm-hmm. man. Once you get to the gym, you don't have to worry about the idea of going to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's that's just going. I, that's the whole issue. Yeah. That's why I've like sacrificed certain jobs for being able to like get to the gym during mm. like – Days we're doing shows and stuff like that. Like mm. I during West Side Story particularly is when Bro, I quit Panero because like you were a monster during West Side Story. Can I just say that? I I was I need to like <laughs> I need to get back to that point because that was when I was taking it the most serious that I've yeah. been in a while. But, but yeah, so, bro, I, life I felt like happens a That's also something you you gotta do is is just take life with the punches. Yeah, you know. But uh, going back, because we kind of went on a rant of physical therapy. And no, it's good. This is all good stuff. Like, that was – I think it's important to say all yeah. these things that we're saying right For now, sure. too. For sure. Yeah. Continue. Um, but thank you. Um, bro, I'm having such a good time. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> I really, It's, it's I just, just so that? good to see you. It, it really is. <laughs> he Dan is growing his hair out, y'all, and it looks so good on this man. He has a red bandana. Oh, sad. dude, I'm going to blush. Looking Don't do Puerto that. Puerto Rican as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Raises, for bringing this out of me. I appreciate it. Uh, but, yeah, I would say uh, I've begun to consider acting as a trade. Mm. You know, I my you saw my brother's basement, how he kind of hooked it up. Yeah. Um, we had a friend come through, and he's a contractor. And, um, you know, just having conversations with him, he was like, you got to find a trade. You got to find a trade. And that kind of – in a way made me panic because as an as an actor you're kind of like oh man how am i gonna make money yeah you know yeah but i've had this paradigm shift of considering acting my trade Mm. and just getting as good at it as i can as great at it as i can and and having faith that financially i'll be i'll be good yeah you know i think you're gonna i I think if you have that mindset and you know that that's where you want to be with it. I think right. that's super important. I Nobody tells you, like, in the years after college or the first couple of years of your 20s or things like that, nobody tells you the growth you're going to have to do yourself with, like, just navigating your own ways, especially with something like theater. Because yeah. in our profession, if you get full-time work as, like, a theater artist, mm-hmm. you're very lucky. 
you are You're very, very lucky to the extreme. To the extreme, and you have to be in a place a lot of times, like L.A. or Atlanta mm-hmm. or New York or Chicago, where there's a lot of work and a lot of business going yeah. through at all times. But that's the great thing about the Buffalo community yep. is that you can raise a family and still yeah, do you what can you have love. your own life. Like you, <laughs> you can be doing I mean? your own stuff over here. We. Yeah. I, like, talk about how good it is all the time, but the mm-hmm. Buffalo theater community is so amazing. It's yes, so it good it's here. It's beautiful. Dude, I, I've been saying to my parents, like, even though I want to be fulfilled financially as an actor, doesn't mean I want to leave Buffalo. No. You know? I would. I keep telling them, like, if I could stay here, I would. Mm-hmm. And with all the, the work that's coming to Buffalo as of recently, and yep. the, the movie studios that are being built, it's a possibility, and honestly, if if it's possible, I, I'll make it happen. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's 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 harder in Buffalo, but I think with everything we've got, it could yeah. definitely be a reality at points. You know, at some point, you know, we have Stephen McKinley Henderson here. Yeah, you know, it took some time, but eventually he was able to. You know, have, mm. I used to live down the street from him. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, oh bro. shit! So it's kind of like an example to see, like, okay, so if you can get the work, if you can perfect your craft the way that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Fitchner too. William Fitchner's yeah, around here. Yeah, you can live wherever you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the work will follow you. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So you have this night with Beauty and the Beast, where this woman approaches you from UB. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that moment with Amara, where she's kind of looking at you, and you get that perspective change. Right. So you go to school for the first time for it. And then what was the first thing professionally that you did? Was it in the Heights that yeah. was the first thing? Yeah, Damn, professionally dude. it was in the Heights. That was that was a hell of an experience, man. So tell me getting into that. Did you audition to get to that? Did you know someone I, that like helped you out through it? Or? Oh, yeah, because I, I knew it was a Super Bowl against – against the patriots i'm not even a seattle seahawks fan it was against the patriots oh god which one? Oh no <laughs> oh, no no yeah, that one that, that one, one that one the malcolm butler interception but that night never uh, bring that up to me again <laughs> bro i remember just staring at the screen with my job like oh my god we're gonna beat brady it's a wrap russell wilson's gonna be goaded at like 23 interception oh man god damn it i had people laughing in my face oh that night. my god <laughs> Actually, it was Victoria's husband. <laughs> Love you, Theo. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I'll, I'll let that one slide, honestly. <laughs> but that night, uh, Titi Vicky, Victoria told me we're going to be doing In the Heights. And I was like, so can I audition? She was like, of course. And uh, I went through the process like everybody else, man. Um, obviously, I had some, you know, a good word put in, I guess. Yeah. But um, oh, apparently, at, the end yeah. of the, at the end of the day, you know. Aside from the ability to to network because of my family connections and that blessing, I also wanted to be able to get that gig for myself. Oh, I bet. You know what I mean? I didn't necessarily want to get in through nepotism. Yeah. For for your confidence and for your own validation, I've never liked taking things based on like, oh, I know this person or I know that person. Mm -hmm. It's like when you were able to put the work in and know that you as an actor feel like you did enough right that's much more gratifying right now granted if i know a sibling or some type of relative that has that skill set required best believe i'm a nepotite oh hell yeah absolutely i've done that for my brother all the time get to how that that idea kicked my ass Mm. a few weeks ago when i got fired by my mom (laughs) oh no bro deputy fired you bro well i got laid off (laughs) 
dude, I had a maintenance job with my mom. She was a manager at a a, a senior uh, apartment complex. Bro, those tenants hated my hom. My my hom. <laughs> I didn't do my lip drills today, y'all. <laughs> those we gotta tenants, warm up his man. <laughs> those tenants hated my mom, and for some reason, someone like snitched. I want to say snitched because that's what they really did. <laughs> <laughs> they snitched and called corporate and said that they hired their their son, even though I was doing a good ass job. Come on, and that building had never been cleaner. But you know what? It is what it is, cause it is what it is. But like, you know, low key, hilarious though, mm. because I remember um, I got, literally got home, <laughs> I was just chilling, and my mom called me from work, and she was like, "So, you can't work anymore." <laughs> I was like, "Hold up, like at all? Like I can't come back?" <laughs> she was like, <laughs> "She was like, yeah, someone, someone reported us on corporate and said that." We hired a son. Come on, man. Yeah, and it it was kind of shitty at first, but then I kind of just thought to myself, like, (laughs) the first time I get fired, it's by my mom. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom is all stressing stressing out and shit when she gets home. I'm like, ma, it's all good. Like, it's fine. Right. You had no choice. Like, you don't want to fire me. Exactly. And then I tell her that perspective, and she just can't stop laughing. That's so And I'm glad I was able to put her mind at ease, too, through the whole thing. Yeah, that's a situation. I'm sure she didn't want to have to fire her son. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. Um, We just, before we get back to um, In the Heights real quick. Yes, yes. We had mentioned your Didi Vicky. And I just want to drop real quick. If you go to Irish Classical's website right now. I was going to drop that, too. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, Victoria uh, Perez is starring in The Year of Magical Thinking, mm-hmm. premiering tonight at 7 p.m. Today is Friday, so it will be available as of listening. It is available for yep. you guys. Um, directed by Kyle LaConte. I cannot think of two more amazing duo, women to be doing this together. And Seriously. a couple of years ago, it was really funny before we um, before we really got to know each other. The first time I taught a class with um, your Titi Vicky, mm-hmm. um, she had mentioned, because I was in Much Ado About Nothing uh, mm-hmm. at the time, she had mentioned how much she would love to work with Kyle. Yep. And the fact that I see them together now makes me so happy. And just knowing how motivated and just inspirational these two women oh. are, they're just am- they're just Dude. amazing, amazing people. Um, I consider watching them to be a mentorship alone, hundred percent. So if you're in the Buffalo area, or if you're not in the Buffalo area, you can still see this show. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the Year of Magical Thinking. If you go to um, Irish Classical's website in Buffalo, which is irishclassical.com. You can purchase your tickets right from there. I don't know how long it's available as of this point. I want to say three weeks. I could be wrong. Three weeks, but get it now. Yes, please. Like don't, get it, don't get it now. Me. Don't I waste time. Go get it now me. with that. I can't wait to see her. Mm-hmm. I can't. My she's done a few one woman shows, but this I really I'm really excited. I helped her with lines a few Ooh, a few cool. times, so I have a little bit of insight in, into what the show's about. But she's awesome, and we'll get into her way more throughout oh, yeah. the show. But while we mentioned to. that, I wanted to make sure that I got that plug in mm-hmm. so that I didn't forget it through the show. Yeah. Um. So your pers- your first professional experience, you in get the heights. in the heights, and you're thrown in the line of fire with both your Titi <laughs> and your dad and in my that dad. show. Yeah, so man. what's that experience like having your first professional show and also knowing that like 
these family members that you've looked up to and respected in this industry yeah. are right alongside you doing this. Was it nerve wracking? Was it comforting? What was oh, it for man. you? Man, it was it was nerve wracking in the sense that I was representing my family on stage alongside my family. Oh yeah, I was you know because I was also doing you know the show with Marta. Uh, Mm-hmm. Aras, Aras, Aracelis, I think her last name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mini uh, Smyrna Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was it was kind of like a family junction. But but again, being the youngin' of the group, I didn't want to be the person that the audience looked at as, oh, that's just the kid that they let in because they were all the Latinos yeah. that they needed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I wanted I wanted to put the work in like everybody else. And be great at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you could also say it was comforting. It was so comforting to have that be my first show. You know, we went... I remember we were off book for the music within a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I remember it just being a blur. But having my dad and having Titi Vicky there, it was a comfort beyond any other to just be like, they going through it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is just the process. To not have to freak out every day like, oh, my God, I got to learn this part. It's just, okay, I'm going to mm. learn this part, you know? Yeah, you're um, lucky with that because oh, I had to wait like – Super blessed. My brother's seven years younger than me, and I had to wait a while before I got to do shows with him and be mm. like, oh, there's a comfort within this. Like, Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and I actually – I wasn't part of Raices until after In the Heights. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I The ensemble was already established, and – I was kind of like wondering, like, when am I gonna get let in? Come on, Titi, mm-hmm. come on, Papi, let me in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember it was like towards the end of the run, and, and Titi Vicky took me to the side and was like, uh, or no, 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 I got an email rather, and it was just kind of it was cool to have that for yourself to be like, I proved to them that I was responsible enough and I was professional enough that, you know, I I could have a say, I could have a voice mm-hmm. on, in the ensemble. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's a beautiful thing when you can have like family around you like that, bro. It's, it's it's truly a blessing. I've had, I have a lot of relationships where that's not the case at all, and and I have a lot of best friends where they're just not supported artistically. Yeah, you know? and it, it's caused a, a schism in their relationships with their family. It's hard. Yeah. I see a lot of um, really talented individuals go down either because. Family didn't motivate them, mm-hmm. or professors didn't motivate them yeah, for like different so ways and things. That's so sad, you know, because I, it makes me think like if I didn't have my family, would I even be an actor? Yeah, you know, it's hard because a lot of people don't know the right balance between tearing people down and bringing them back up either. Right, right. like that's that's just something that you've either got it or you don't. I like being able to, as a director and as a teacher, now that I've learned this, to say to like my kids if I'm doing a class with them to be like. I like what you did here, but mm-hmm. here's maybe what you could do better with this because then you're criticism. not because then you're not like, what the fuck was that? Right. Because that's just an aggressive way to talk to it to and it begin can be, with. It can be alienating. Yes. For sure. From the jump, for when sure. you say that, mm-hmm. that's when everything gets shut down. Like yep. you don't feel like you can be open. You don't feel like you could have like different things. Like there's ways right. to do that. And if, if you don't have that filter as a kid, which a lot of kids don't, mm-hmm. you know. 
you you're now you're just an asshole then yeah you know what i mean yeah now your criticism it, it just goes out the window because mm. no matter what you say you're the asshole yeah you know but so, it's yeah go ahead it's no you're fine it's good that you had that jumping off point though for your first professional experience to know you can say those things mm. or need those things like off set or off stage yeah like when you need to most definitely yeah and and there was a kind of continuation with that because my next show was Evita, like the next summer. Oh, yeah. I yeah. forgot you were and, in that, too. Yeah, and having Tito Vicky in that was beautiful, too, because that was a lot of uh, conversations we had as a young actor and, and someone I considered a mentor on the way to and from rehearsal. Yeah. What happened in that process. Yeah, it's amazing to work with her and just hear certain <sighs> things she has to say. Dude, being able to just listen to her and just have conversations like about the craft i've learned so much she's so smart i've learned so much like i took a gap year from school but it's hard to even consider it a gap year when i've had i had a few trips to new york city with her yeah and those eight hour trips were filled with conversation mm -hmm. we were barely even listening to anything That's just amazing. talking about the craft and how she viewed it and how she crafted a story and and how she viewed the the craft of acting versus directing and mm -hmm. just a lot of a lot of my principles on how to how to tell stories come from her yeah mm -hmm. she, cuz she's amazing at just telling you exactly what to do and bringing the best out of it oh, yeah. that's that's the consistency in every review i've ever seen about her or having to do with her she yep. knows how to direct and she knows how to bring the best out of people yep. and she's an actor's true. director bro yeah she's an actor's 100% director. so this ties in well with a story I have uh -huh. between two of your family members, right? Okay. So we, we've we talked about this before, so you'll be able to kind of chime in a little bit, which yeah, is yeah. really funny. So I had this really terrible um, audition panel in college mm. um, for my musical theater class when Jen Tui was teaching it. Um, if you've mm. listened to past episodes, I love Jen Tui so much. Yeah, and shout I'm, out to Jen Tui. I, I'm so you. grateful for every experience she's ever um, given me, and this was this was a good one I needed to. Um, so we do this audition workshop mm -hmm. and in the room is Michael Walleen and, um, your Thiefy Vicky. So Ooh. Vicky Perez, uh, for people who are listening. Nice. So Jen told us for this one to prepare a song that we'd never done before. Oh, okay. I don't know why I listened to it. <laughs> I should... <laughs> Jen, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I should have just hey, picked one I knew Teachers and are just done that. Too, I know, you know? <laughs> I know. Um, so I do this audi audition panel with them. Um, I had a migraine that day, which mm. I don't like making excuses, but that one in particular, I'll never forget how that much that one helps. hurt. Yeah. yeah, it never helped. I'm doing a song that I've never done before. Puke in the bathroom like 10 minutes before I have to go on because oh, of how no. bad my head is hurting, right? Really? Yeah, it was bad. What were you singing? Oh, my God. Um, get you me to the, remember. Get me to the church on time for My Fair Lady. Oh, okay. It's the first and last time I've ever done that song in my life. <laughs> You're traumatized by that shit. <laughs> so um, we do the panel, and I didn't know how good or bad it was. Like, mm. I just I, – I didn't. I figured it was pretty bad because – I felt it was, but you know, as an actor, Bro, when you have a bad day, we're self-aware. You can feel the bad day, yeah. right? Um, so then Jen, Jen gave us back the audition papers that <laughs> that we needed, or that we had from um, the directors on the panel okay. the next day. So we got to see all the notes that they wrote. Mm. Nothing positive. Ooh, 
at all. I, I will say Vicky was kinder than Michael was on on those on those sheets. Like it was it was rough. But it was it was bad and we talked about the confidence aspect of like this before. I'm doing the importance of being earnest at the time of upstate with Tony Chase. Shattered uh, me. Shattered me, right? Before really? going into it. But from and like I recovered and things like that, but mm-hmm. From that point, I was very afraid to talk to your Titi Vicky, right? Uh, okay. So flashback to two years before this, right? So this is um, early 2015 when this happens with Vicky. Mm-hmm. And then about early 2013 when this happens. So at the time, I'm working uh, at this grocery store on Kenmore Avenue, <laughs> yeah. um, what used to be Budway Supermarket right by there. It's like, life storage now, I believe. Like, yeah, close to where you are, like a yeah. block away from you oh, are yeah. or where you are now. And at the time, still close, like yeah. around the corner. At the time, still really close. And um, I used to be a cashier over there, mm-hmm. and this guy used to come in, right, this he used to be buying stuff. Handsome, suave, old Latin this, man. Yeah, this this Not old, old Latin man, just this, aged like this wine. This very talkative, like <laughs> ages like wine, like all this, all this type of shit, right? And he always tells me that he's like, "Oh, I'm in the acting industry." Like, and we used to talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time too, it's also hard being an actor because you don't know. When someone tells you they're an actor, you right. don't know what degree they mean it to. <laughs> right. Like you're like, oh, you're an actor like you like doing community theater on the weekends right, or you're right. an actor like you like to do professionally. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong with either of them. Not at all. But you just don't know to what degree you're dealing right. with. Yeah, 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 so yeah, at the time sure. I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to school for this. I don't know if he knows that I'm going to school for this or mm-hmm. not, right? So this whole time I'm like taking it with a grain a grain of salt like, yeah, yeah, you're an actor, right? <laughs> So this is 2013. This happens uh, with Vicky in 2015, the early half. Flash forward to October of 2015, the mm-hmm. very last West Side or West Side Story. Fuck, um, the very last it's, in the it's, Heights. It's easy to get the two Latino shows Latino shows mixed up <laughs> in your head. Um, but I sit down in Musical Fair Theater because my friend got me a ticket to In the Heights because she wanted to see her friend Alejandro in it. Right, Vernice, Vernia, yeah, Vernia. Oh my goodness, um, I haven't seen her in so long. I, I get know that it's from, been a while. Since I get I've that from v. my dad actually. So sorry, <laughs> Vernia. My dad doesn't remember anybody's names. Not to call him out. I love you, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, I think it's genetic. Yeah, right. But I'm gonna. I'm getting better at it. I'm learning actually, legitimately. <laughs> it happens. I have those brain lapses all the time. Like I can't remember what we were talking about five minutes ago. Oh, so shit. you know, either honestly, I'm having a good time. <laughs> I'm in the moment, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry again, Vernia. No, no, though. no. Yeah, uh, Ver- Vernia will understand. Shout out Vernia. I love you, girl. Yes. Um. So. <laughs> I sit down um, with her in Paris. I don't know if you remember Paris, too. Oh, I can never forget. Paris is awesome. <laughs> so I sit Love down Paris. with them to sit uh, or to watch this show. Opening number happens. Mm-hmm. I see your Titi Vicky. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, she's in this, right? <laughs> this woman who ripped me apart. You haven't traumatized flashbacks to And then I see your dad, <laughs> uh-huh. who is the man from the grocery store. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, man, I love this story. oh my god, he's an actual actor. <laughs> he was serious, like about he's that legit. Shit. <laughs> like he was like, bro, he came out at the end and he's talking to like you were talking to Vernia in Paris at the time, and like, yeah, yeah. and like he's talking to both of them. I didn't want to say a fucking word because I was like, oh my god, like. You were like just, he's he's legit. Like, and I'm thinking guy. of all the judgments that I've made in my head. 
regarding this. And now I'm like, well, shit. Like, now, like, he's he's in the level where I'm trying to get to with oh, that. Oh, that's so funny. I love this story, bro. It's such a good – and then – it, it's funny because years later I'm hanging out with you and I'm I know your family like Isn't the back of my hand. And the one day I'm at matinee and I was like, I gotta see if your dad remembers this story. <laughs> and I walked over to him and I was like, Do you remember meeting me at this grocery store years ago? And without a beat, he was like, Yes. Oh yeah. Like I remember that. And Bro, it, he literally told me about seeing you after the show, like in the car, in the car ride home. Did he really? Did he never tell you this? No, I don't think he ever did. I'm pretty sure in the car ride home, he was like, there's this guy named, his name is Dan Torres. He's Latino because, you know, he's got to start with that. <laughs> Attaboy. But, Shout but, out to um, Orlando. Oh, no, my goodness. Love this. you, Papi. Um, but he was like, he's a cashier at Budway's. And I told him before I was an actor, he came to see the show. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm How I'm surprised that he never told that? you that he he recognized you. Yeah, I don't know. Like he he never told me like at first, but like I think he was waiting for me to bring it up too. It's one of those mm. things that you don't think about until right, right, like right. you know it actually like is brought up or it's in front of you or things. It's but crazy that he remembered it's though. Weird that it's like Buffalo's like three degrees of separation between right? people, and, and all I of feel a sudden like that's how it is in so many other places. Mm-hmm. Like even in New York City, the acting industry feels so much smaller than than people would realize. Yeah, at I at least agree. Th- that's the takeaway I got doing that show at at, at Jiva mm-hmm. was. They they everybody knew everybody. I was like, oh, this is just kind of this is kind of like Buffalo. Yeah. So expand on that a little bit because you you did in the Heights and then you toured it, right? So well, I didn't at- I didn't tour it, but I did uh, in the Heights again at um, Jiva Theater Center. That's what in I Rochester. mean. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and I got to play Sunny, which was cool that I had a second chance to do it. Oh, that's really fun. Um, that was another blessing, a blessing of an experience. Yeah, uh, being able to work with people that. Like literally, the the guy who played Kevin was in the original cast of In the Heights. Oh shit! Yeah, there's uh, two people at the time were kind of like up and coming, just out of school, but had a few like really good gigs. Mm-hmm. They're on Broadway now. One of them is playing Maria in, in West Side Story. <laughs> Another one literally booked Hamilton uh, national tour, the national tour while he was in In the Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, just Broadway experience on top of Broadway experience. That's and being awesome. able, bro, it was amazing to just watch, watch professionals do what they do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but not only like on stage, but also just like this shit is a lifestyle. For yeah, them. like yeah, it is. You know, like going to the gym every day, eating right. You know, having an audition right before they have to go to you know curtain call. It's a beautiful thing. It, it is. really is. It is, but it it was kind of like a confirmation like, "Oh, I want to do. I really want to do this. I would love to do this." Mm-hmm. You know, but it was also a wake-up call in the sense that if I wanted to do this, there were some some adjustment adjustments that I would have to make to my own lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and it's that was definitely a wake-up call, you know, when I injured myself opening night dog. <laughs> I I herniated my disc uh in my lumbar spine. Opening night, I finished the show like a G because that's who I am. That's what we do, bro. I'm a football player. I was not about to miss the rest of that show. Yeah, um, that's I more more power to you. If my I shoulder ever it. popped out during a show, I don't know what I would I, do. I think it might have a couple times. You told me, yeah, or maybe it was like bef- the day of a show. Definitely, like 
in rehearsals and things uh, like that. Okay, I know okay. Tech Weekend it did one time. Your whole mood changes when that shit pops out. Yup. 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 Uh-huh. It, it, it's excruciating. It's in like, it's like the most horrendous pain. I can't even imagine. How did you herniate your disc, though? Bro, it was just the most whack, the most wacky experience. Most. <sighs> it was during uh, Blackout. The, okay. The, the Act 1 finale. I had just finished, like, my part with, with uh, Graffiti Pete, mm-hmm. and I had grabbed a bat. Like, in like in the story, he grabs a bat, and there's some thugs coming. So I grabbed a bat, and I did, like, this twist motion, bringing it from the bottom up, and immediately I felt something, like, crack and just, like, shoot down my legs. And I was, like, I had to w- run off stage. I was, like, yo, to, the like, the assistant stage manager, I was, like, Please get ice packs and ibuprofen ready for me. And I just ran back on stage and finished it. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Got back, got backstage, iced it for as long as I could, put like icy hot, took the ibuprofen and tightened my pants up as tight as I could because <laughs> I was finishing it. And just I just hike your shit up. That's bro, all you got to do. That's all you could do. And, and uh, I did a few more shows after that. But at, at, at some point, which thank God the decision was, was made for me that, you know, it would be better for my career and just better for my overall health if I just stopped doing the show. Yeah. You know? Um and I'm glad I'm glad they did because if if I had my if if I was able to make the choice, I would have kept stubborn. doing the show. Yep. I'm stubborn, bro. Yep. And you had that experience with me during West Side Story where I've had to take a step back because, you know, I still do have a bad back. And um, you know, I could have really messed myself up because yeah. that was that was eight shows a week. Yeah, that yeah, was, that that's hard. Yeah, that's and, hard. And it sucks that I wasn't able to experience that that run of eight shows a week and being able to experience like a Broadway level of a run. But you probably saved yourself. I probably sa- I mean, I probably couldn't have done it. No, <laughs> like, my body was telling me something like, "Dog, you." You have some some steps to take before your body can handle eight shows a week. Especially, imagine you get that same motion in at yep, some point, exactly. and then all of a sudden it makes it even worse, and yeah. your disc is just out. Especially if I want to be a mover and I want to yeah. be able to dance yeah. and, and and actually live life to the to to the to the fullest degree. You know, yeah, that, that's something that I've 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 uh, set as as a goal of mine in my physical therapy journey is just being able to play basketball without feeling my back and my knee you yeah know, like it's about to pop off you I know. know what i mean but um but it's, yeah it's the little things we start experiencing <laughs> it's in the our little 20s. things dog but i'm glad i have this 50 year old body because it puts me in perspective of like you know if you don't take care of yourself man yeah it, your body's gonna fall it's gonna fall apart on you, you it know? really it's 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 a crazy thing our bodies are temple we gotta like just be taking care of it at all and times. that that just is what it is like i had this realization that like Dude, and at, at the most, at the most, uh, how do you say it? Like primal level, mm-hmm. our goals in life were to eat and to survive. Yep, and to you know, m- you know, multiply or whatever. But in regards to surviving and, and eating, mm-hmm. there was no like high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> you nope. know. You, there was there was just shit on the ground, yeah. shit in trees, and and hunting, you know, and yeah. that's kind of like that was your exercise was survival, mm-hmm. you know. So they didn't have to worry about exercise in that sense, but they really didn't have to worry about eating right either. No. No. So I've almost had this paradigm shift uh, for that where I view like not eating right for me 
not eating right and not, you know, taking care of myself physically is almost like neglecting my most basic needs as a human being. 100%. 100%. Being, you know? And we, we kind of like, we we fall out of that 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 uh, perception of reality mm-hmm. because we're, we're we're Americans. We're blessed to have, you know, we're blessed to be in the least developed developed country in the in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> you know what that's I mean. The way to put it. Yep. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we there's a lot of uh, what's the word like, not blessings, but just like privileges mm-hmm. that we get that a lot of people don't get, and you know, our ancestors didn't get because it was really it went it came down to just your survival yeah and now we don't really have to worry about that we have you know different leisures but also different concerns in society where we have to work nine hours a day yeah. at a desk sometimes and that kind of that really gets in the way of being able to cook your meals in the way that you want to cook them mm-hmm. you know yeah it's it, you're right it's definitely different concerns at the time but they're still they're just different Right. Yeah, They're yeah. still as pressing. They're just different than exactly. what people back in the day had to deal with and shit like that. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people come, they make the mistake where they feel like they have to be working out like every day for like an hour and a half when it's just like you just kind of got to do what works for you. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and your body will will it'll it'll reward you for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody's worried about being like muscle bound and like this ridiculous like. You know, right. your magazine persona. Don't do that. If that if that is your end goal, if that's the goal you have in mind when trying to work out and eat right, you're never going to achieve it. Yeah, exactly. You have, you have to have some some sort of, of self-love before you can go on that journey. Because mm-hmm. if, if you can't love yourself the way you, you look in the present, man, you're just going to constantly be chasing this ghost mm-hmm. that, that you'll just never get your hands on. It's all in the balance. It's all the the chakras almost, if you want to, like... The balance. Yeah. The balance. <laughs> We're all trying to be an avatar. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. What do you think... Would you be... What what element would you be? Ooh. I feel... That? I've had this debate before. I want to say waterbender. Yeah, I could see you being a waterbender. Just because, like, sure. I, I, I am kind of a go-with-the-flow type of person. Mm-hmm. But I also, I can I can become aggressive like a tide. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I also have that in me, too. But yeah. But I can also be still like a lake. I can also, the tide, I can go with the, you know, there's, like, a give and take with a tide. Yeah. But I also feel like I have a bit of a firebender in me, too. I could see both of those for sure. I yeah. think you're definitely more water because, like, you, you've got that calm persona within you, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's exactly like you said. Like, you see those moments with Katara in the show where it's just, like, natural. Sometimes, the right. like, the fighting is, like, it's almost, like, beautiful the way she's doing it. And then there's oh. pure anger in some of the shit Some of those episodes. When Shout she out to ta- Katara, bro. I know. When she <laughs> takes the rain in the episode with. That's the exact uh, moment I'm thinking of. I'm glad so we're cool. on the same page. I know. It's so dope. <laughs> How about you? I, I've i had this debate before. I want to be an earthbender, but I'd be an airbender. Yeah? Like, I know I would be an airbender. That's a, How so? I have this monk-like persona that I've always mm. just felt with it, it, like inside me where I don't want to hold on to hate and I don't want to hold on to anger and I just want everything to be passive. I want everything to flow through me. Mm. And every time I see Aang, I just feel like that's that's what I was meant for. Like, mm. the, like that's just it. Like, he always had that those ideals that he stuck to of not killing and, like, 
always like being by these morals, even though you're like flying through with life. It's the irony of like where we are now, too, is like I I told you this before we walked in and I've talked about this on episodes. But like we're Mm -hmm. in my old middle school where like a lot of people, if you talk to me. I don't necessarily seem like I'm super religious or things like that, mm-hmm. but I am. Like I yeah. keep those morals like within me. Like this is the reason I have a cross like tattooed took the on good my back. Stuff. And, yeah, you took I the took good stuff for I took all the good that I um wanted to like through religion and took like the all the important things that it taught me mm-hmm. and I molded it into my life so that no matter where I go, I keep these same principles and know where I'm like where I have to draw the line and things same, like bro. that. And and it's good because I'm glad you're such a the person that you are, because um, for a lot of people that's what religion is. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a compass. Yeah, it's a it moral really is. compass. Now a lot of people do you know I have my own qualms with religion. Mm-hmm. Like I like to consider myself a spiritual person above yeah. anything else. Yeah. Um, but I grew up Catholic Christian. I, th- mm. I would still, I don't even know. I, I you, for a long time I would still consider myself Christian. I think I'm probably more agnostic, spiritual now. Yeah. Um, just in terms of how I see like the organization of the universe, ebbs and flows. That's you know how it I mean? goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, growing up, I would definitely say that's a a, a positive takeaway I can I can take from from growing up religious was that it gave me some type of moral compass. Mm-hmm as as a child you know so that it was instilled in me before i grew up it's hard in this day and age because um especially with social media we have the people that are the loudest and say the worst things mm-hmm. setting the precedent for the rest of it where it's yep. like there aren't bad if you're if you're a christian you're you're like on a good moral path like right. for the majority of the time if you're yeah. a catholic you're on a good path the majority of the time mm-hmm. if you're muslim you're on a good path most right. of the time that's, if you're jewish like anything like yeah. that you know i i can say i have my own qualms about religion but i'm also not going to make the judgment on somebody if if they're no religious. absolutely not you no know, religious doesn't mean you're a bad person no exactly you know? It, evil is just rooted rooted within different places. It's exactly. not it's not in any moral set. It's the people that make it. Most definitely. So, it's funny between us because we get the in the heights experience from you. So mm-hmm. that's 2015. Two years later, I do my first show at Musical Fair. After I figure everything out, I did Peter and the Starcatcher over there, and then two years after that, you and I find ourselves working on the same stage. Yeah. In another. Very Latino, Hispanic, Puerto Rican-based production mm-hmm. together. And this time, you're not a stranger to me. Right. You're not someone who I'm looking at and going like, man, that kid has it all. You're like, you're this peer to me. Mm. And we're, you're one of those people that I've worked with that immediately I just kind of know. I'm oh, like, yeah, I'm going to yeah, get yeah. along with this person. Yeah, really I knew well. immediately like. I want to even say before West Side Story started. Yeah, because we knew each other a little bit before that, too. Yeah, a little. We definitely got way closer. And then, you know, following that immediately with Koki, Mm -hmm. you know. But I could tell immediately, like, this is going to be my boy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think with that show, too, it was important because we had to be such tight clicks between, between the two things. Yeah. So it was nice knowing 
with like at, at least one person in our squad like right. that like you could have my back and i could have your back and yeah. like all that is and, and it was cool because it kind of played out on stage too yeah oh yeah 100 percent. 100 percent. there were times where i was just like that that whole persona i created he still had your back no yep. matter what mm -hmm. like drunk sober no matter what he was doing at that time <laughs> Dude, I loved your character so much. Pepe. I if you ever do a show with me, just don't. <laughs> like that's just the bottom line of the whole thing. I um for for this show, I I started talking about it a couple of weeks ago, but um I played this character Pepe who didn't have um a lot of lines but had a lot of stage time and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I love maximizing my stuff. I, everybody does. All great actors do that. You got to. You got to create a character. It's not going to be fun or enjoyable for anybody if you right. don't with that. So um, the one night, Chris Kelly, our director, shout out Chris Kelly. Shout um, out Chris Kelly. I, I love, love you, Chris man. Kelly. I miss you. Chris Kelly will be in at some point. I'm going to make him do this show. Yes, please. Um, But one night, we were going over notes or something like that, and Chris said something about like, he was like, you couldn't keep your balance to this one scene or something like that. Like, like, can you stay more still? And I I said to him, I was like, well, I've been under the impression, honestly, that Pepe's <laughs> drunk throughout 99% of this show. And oh he was like, God. he was like, OK, let's make that a choice. Then. <laughs> and the next day he comes back with this flask and that flask. As soon as I got that, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, here goes the show. Like, yep. it's my show from now. Bro, sometimes you just need one prop. That's all it takes. <laughs> That's all it takes. So through this, there's this um, there's this famous scene at, like, the school dance or whatever that they do. <laughs> yeah. So throughout Act 1 and the school dance, I'm progressively getting more lit <laughs> from, from the flask that I have through there. And then by the time we're about to do America – I'm fucking hammered. Oh, yeah. And then by the time we're at the sit down, I'm cooling down a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to ask, were you were you drunk during the rumble? I was sober by the time. The, that was always my mindset is that I was, I was sober say, by the time God, I came down. <laughs> because I'm saying more coherent shit. I'm right. walking straighter. Yeah. I'm doing that. Like, I feel like he still has that um, like that mentality to like mm -hmm. take shit seriously, even though he's like – He's addicted. Like, he'll still right, ride right. for the squad. Bro, isn't it beautiful to have that freedom, though, sometimes oh, God, with a character? I love it. Where I you're love not it. necessarily, like, tethered to a line. You can just... You can just do whatever you want. Yeah, it, it's, as long as it like fits within the the realm of the story you're trying to. It's tell. hard playing characters that are so like set down. Sometimes I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone play like George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life and mm -hmm. go right for like the Jimmy Stewart thing because it's it's so iconic. Because it's so iconic and it's like a staple of that character from that point. Right. It was the same with like. When I did Jungle Book, like, everybody has a certain ex expectation of Mowgli, right? Yeah. Like, you have this certain expectation, like, whether or not it's, like, the epic or the Disney or whatever you're doing with that. Mm -hmm. you, there is an, a, a set image that people are walking in with of what this character is going to be and how they're going to portray themselves. Yeah. I loved your take on Mowgli, by Thank the way. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I'm glad you said that, by the way, because I had no idea how you were going to attack this character. And I loved how you did it. Oh, uh, it was fun. And it was it was cool that it was the epic because you got to watch him grow up. Yeah. Like, you exactly. got to see his shifts and got to see his changes throughout that. That was just a, a fun show in general. One of these days, having fun up there. One of these days, um, I'm going to have to have, like, a couple people from the cast in that and just have an episode dedicated That'll to be that. Fun. because like I Yeah, because I've been 
previewing that a lot i feel like i feel like i've talked about this on there so much that one day it's just gonna have to all be laid out that sounds like a good time um but yeah it was it was fun being able because that was the same year it's fun being able to go from that to like a character like pepe where i have that range and have that freedom and stuff like that did you feel an extra pressure with that show because you had so much representation responsibility on your shoulders through that oh yeah most definitely Mm -hmm. um i want to say not only because of the aspect of representation and and telling a story um through the lens of of a puerto rican man Mm -hmm. you know a a migrant um and kind of like channeling my my own ancestry that was kind of uh important to me yeah but also taking on the role the role that i did as bernardo I knew that there was going to be a leadership aspect that I was going to have to take seriously, not only on stage, but within the cast as well. Yeah. Just yep. kind of like being serious about it through rehearsals and shit like that. And like I said, I, that's an experience that kind of formed who I feel like I am as a leader mm-hmm. in the sense that I'm not like out here bossing nobody. No. I just like to lead by example and be there for my people so that they trust that I got their back and we can all just move forward and do what we got to do. The true leader isn't in the pack or, or outside of the pack for me. He's dead center. Yeah. Like that, I love that. That's, that's how I've always taken that mindset yeah. is it's not like this role that should single you out from everybody else. Boss versus leader, bro. Yeah. That's how I felt during um, Goki. I kind of yeah. felt that sense of like, oh, I have this team captain responsibility. It's so interesting that. that you say that because <laughs> We kind of like I saw that revolt, that role switch in you because mm. it, it was cool. To see, and it was cool to see that like you were kind of we were it's such it was such a big cast in West Side Story. Bro. Yeah. And, but to go from that to you being the guy in Koki and seeing you take that responsibility on your shoulders and take it seriously. It was so cool. I appreciate and that. And it was cool to be able to be like, OK, like you're not like. It was cool to see that you're the same type of leader as me, I guess yeah. I'll say. It's, it's, it's crazy because it's like, I've been in this so long, and I know at this point you've been in it a long time too, but mm-hmm. I've been in this game. I did my first show when I was six, and then I started consistently Ooh. doing theater when I was 12 years old. Like wow. So it's, it, it's a lot of like diversity that goes through that. So through mm-hmm. the whole thing... I've been, like, lead roles. I've been supporting roles. I've played characters that are on stage for two seconds. Like, so you just learn to blend. That's the life. And that's what you have to do. You you have to, as an actor, not be able to, like, just accept leader roles and just accept people in the ensemble. You have Mm -hmm. to be able to be prepared for both. Right. You have to know when to, like, be out front and Mm -hmm. be talking and be vocal and be supportive. And then you need to know when, like, you just need to be in the background and to be supporting the team. Right. And there's 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 um there's positives in both of those roles. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like being in in Evita and in In the Heights, because I had a good role in In the Heights, but I was still a youngin. Yeah. And I yeah. still knew my role in that sense. Mm-hmm. Being able to sit back and just listen and watch, that was amazing. And it was a quality that I want I carry with me to be able to listen and watch, even as a leader. Mm-hmm. I think is is very important. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, but then you get to West Side Story, and uh, you know, it's it's that was like I want to say that was like my first experience since high school of having a lead role and and considering yourself like a leader because prior to that I was in the professional community as 
as a youngster. Yeah. And I, I still consider myself a youngster. We both are. Yeah, we both are. And, 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 but having that responsibility was cool. It was a learning experience. And uh, to go back to what you said, I, I do think that to constantly want to be the leader, I think is, is egotistical, but also constantly to be okay with constantly being in the ensemble is, I think you're selling yourself short. Yeah. You know? And again, we go back to finding that balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what what's beautiful about being in, in an ensemble is having a collective goal towards something mm-hmm. and everybody having their own specific role. You know, Adam Driver, Adam Driver uh, talks about that a lot because he was he was a I don't know if you know Adam Driver's life too much. Uh, not like particularly, but he, he's always interested me. He was in the uh, he was in the Marines. Oh, wow. Yeah. Before he went to Juilliard or anything like that. And uh, he he uh, enlisted because he enlisted after 9-11, actually. Mm. He, uh, and he was actually getting ready to get deployed. And then he got honorable discharge because he broke his sternum oh, in a shit. biking incident. And um, from there, he kind of lost his way, I guess, a little bit before he got into Juilliard. But he, he, he re- not recently, uh, quite a few years ago, had a TED Talk about his uh, program where he creates theater with with veterans oh wow yeah it's, it's, it's amazing that sounds like an amazing cause like, yeah that's necessary yeah and he said he go he, he goes in the ted talk he says uh at its core ensemble is very similar to being in a troop in in the military mm-hmm. you know you each have a role that you have to commit yourself fully to um with the idea of a bigger goal in mind you know? Yeah. And I think that's that was just kind of a cool way to, to put it. Yeah. You know? I got to watch that. That sounds – Adam Driver's really a beast, bro. Adam – anybody who went to Juilliard is a beast, yeah. to be honest. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I know. Juilliard's one of those schools with that. My best friend in high school, when we went on a New York City trip, mm-hmm. I pointed out Juilliard, and I was like, oh, shit, that's Juilliard. And he was like, what's that? And I was like, it's one of the top, like – music and like theater schools you can go to and he was like go there and i was like i can't like <laughs> well, I've, I've auditioned twice for juilliard and i'm still gonna audition again for the grad school i think but it's um, just it, it's such a high level oh, dude it's it's you cannot take it personally if you can't get into no school like that, they're taking the cream of the crop like you know that like straight up whoever's there is meant to be there for the most part yeah there's some ivy leagues that'll take a lot of people that like mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily like you know donations and things like that right, will right, get right. you in the department but usc yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's uh, there's some schools that they they their requirement is like, oh, can you open the door? Okay, you're in. Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever been inside Juilliard? No, I never have. Bro. Next time I'm there, I want to go in. My audition for Juilliard was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had as an audition. So talk a little bit about that. What, um, what did you have to prepare for that one? You have to prepare four monologues. Oh shit. Yeah, which is way different from basically any other audition I've ever had, especially for schools. It's normally just two. Mm-hmm. Um. So it was too classical, too contemporary, all um, contrasting. Okay. And, uh, so you get there, 9 a.m. You, you're, you're called at 9 a.m. You normally want to get there probably a half hour earlier. Right. Um, what's different a little bit, what's different from all the other auditions was they led you through a 15-minute vocal warm-up. Oh. Every single student. And we're talking like, you know, I want to say like over 2,000 kids audition. 
total, mm-hmm. probably 250, 300 kids were there that day. And uh, that's crazy, bro. To be able to go through a vocal warm up with a Juilliard professor, it was an incredible opportunity. It was an incredible opportunity in and of itself. Oh, I bet. But just to see that they they wanted to see you at your best mm-hmm. was really cool to see. Yeah. To see that they were actually taking care of you, um, which is not an an, oppor- uh, an opportunity you're afforded many no, times when you're auditioning. No, not at all. Like that's something that you can. More times than not, I want to say nine and a half times out of ten, nobody's going to go through a warm-up with you. Yeah, basically. Um, so that was really cool. And then to just be, there's like three separate rooms, three separate dance studios full of high school kids. Ooh. And they're just all like either talking to people or going through their own thing, so-and-so. And I remember being very intimidated by that, but also just kind of like, so this is what it feels like to be surrounded by hundreds of people that want to do the same thing that's so cool (laughs) some people look like me you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and just being able to talk to some of the students oh i yeah stories yeah you know and and just getting a uh like checking the checking the vibe out of the school and the student body i fell in love with like what they were about and just juilliard students there was a certain eloquency about them Mm -hmm. that i have not seen anywhere else it's amazing how much you can learn just talking to people and like learning the vibe of a certain place learning how to listen Mm -hmm. is a skill set yes yeah yeah 100 percent. it's not it's not too common (laughs) no it's a hard thing oh yeah do you think new york is where you're ultimately going to end up i think so um over the course of the pandemic i debated it just because with the whole real estate situation you know there was mad people leaving new york city Mad people leave, leaving California, although research shows that that wasn't as as uh, dramatic as people thought. No, it really a lot of people wasn't. just wanted to follow Rogan. I think <laughs> to Austin. God damn um, it, Rogan! Yeah, stop ruining it for us. <laughs> but uh, there's also Atlanta. Uh, they call that LA East. Yep. But um, I don't know. I talked to a, I have a really close friend in New York City who who happens to be like an assistant for a real estate agency. Mm-hmm. And she said the the real estate prices are just going back up now that life's oh, getting back to normal. God. So I I might just end up – I think New York City is going to end up being the place for me just because it's closer to home. I think um, that's – yeah, I think that's a smart move for you Yeah, too. and plus I love theater. You know? Yeah. I also don't want to lose that aspect of my of my profession. Mm-hmm. You know, if I go to L.A., I feel like I'll lose a lot of, of theater opportunities. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I If you want to go to – film and do primarily film la is so good for that but i feel like just knowing you i think new york city is the vibe for you yeah bro i was just gonna say the vibe of new york city is i feel like is more attuned to my frequency than la is Mm -hmm. i feel like i'd get caught up in la personally and not just like the 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 community but just the the climate to be honest yeah i I would just be wanting to chill all day and shit and also there's the whole like fault thing where LA could just be underwater at any point. At, at any, any point. So that kind of scares the shit out of me. Yeah, it it should, honestly, to anybody. That's, yeah, so that's it's like if I could stay there. dry and still be able to act professionally, I think that's ideal. Oh, that's just incredible. I, th- I think you should go for that, though, dude. I think you have the talent to Thanks, be able bro. to really nail that and make that. That means the world to me. Yeah. It really does. Well, it's true. And it's like I, I consider myself really lucky that the – 
the year before the pandemic we've mm. gotten to do so much too and like part of me getting at you on this is like we've got to do more together dude i yeah. we talked about doing this as our youth so much we can do that mm -hmm. before i start looking too old to be able to Bruh. do those parts <laughs> please dude you look a day over 19 yeah <laughs> yeah it's starting to get to that point too where it's just like uh, the, like I'm like, ah, oh, how old do you think I am? 22. Oh shit, I don't look like a teenager anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> natural goes... process of life, my friend. Yeah, then I have to start competing with fucking Anthony Alcacer for everything. <laughs> no, that's and, tough. Yeah, that's a exactly. tough challenge. Now. Yeah, I gotta move if, that, if that's the case. <laughs> Bro, I actually have uh, a copy of Koki. Oh, do you still? Yeah, I was I was watching through it because I recently edited together like a stage reel mm. of all the shows I've done. Oh, you have like a video copy of it. Yeah. Oh I could, shit, dude! It is. It's a good copy. It's, I, I love cool. watching. I gotta this. watch that. I'm gonna come. I, I'm saying this now to document it. I'm gonna mm. come over and watch that with you. You should, because I would love to like kind of go through the commentary of everything. And it's great resolution because it, it, since since it's in subversive, it, the camera wasn't too far away. Yeah. So yeah. for those listening too, so El Coquilla Spectacular and the Evil Bottle of Doom, mm -hmm. or the Bottle of Doom, whichever one it was, it, it was, was always confusing. It was one of those was. long ass titles. <laughs> um, but it's a play by Matt Barbeau. Shout out Matt Barbeau. Shout out Matt um, Barbeau. About a comic book artist living in Brooklyn, who is kind of down on his luck at a weird point in his life. Which is, it's ironic. I went through this play before the pandemic because yeah. I felt a lot of similarities to Alex throughout this whole thing. Mm -hmm. But in order to inspire himself, he becomes a superhero. So not only do Ale and I get thrown into West Side Story together and be able to do this, and we're yeah. talking about how we need to do more roles that are closer to each other and things like that. Then like six months after we talk for like the first couple of times – we're playing brothers in this show. Yep, which was an incredible experience. It was so fun. It was so much fun. It's amazing to have, like, between just everybody that was in that show, between you, Lisette, um, mm -hmm. Bebo, uh, Minnie, it, it, just everybody who worked on that, Vicky directing, my fiancé stage managing. It, it was just it was such a solid a, group. It bro. was such a solid group. Yeah. And just knowing that I could give as much as possible as an actor mm. and know that you and Lissette could take it yeah. and that you could give it right back to me. Wasn't that, it, it kind of put us at ease. I yeah. feel like, yeah, and especially in rehearsal. Cause we were all kind of going through our own thing. I think we, were yeah, both, we were all like were fucking tired. We you were, were like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just all that shit. Like uh, we were each struggling in our ways. And I you, remember at one point, did Vicky like, what did she say to us? I don't even... We were, like, exhausted. It was, like, a Saturday morning rehearsal. I, I was going to bring up that. It's so funny that like... you're on the same wavelength <laughs> as me. So we were up top. We were doing that scene with the cardboard cutout that you bring up. Yep. Right? Yep. And we're talking about, like, the marketing and the selling the El Coqui image to this mm -hmm. company and stuff like that. And we must have done it with a really, really low energy. Like, I feel it. I oh, feel I it now. I remember how we were feeling. Yeah. 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 We were, we were on some bullshit. <laughs> so your Didi Vicky um, tells us, <laughs> she goes, okay, now I want you to do that scene as fast as possible and without, like, any breaks. Like, try not to even breathe through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going through this and we're going rapid fire, like, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she goes, 
that's the energy this scene needs. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the energy that it has. Like, see that right there? You need to capture that, and you need to bottle that up because, like, because like that's what this scene needs. It needs this energy. It needs excitement as that. And then she goes, because that other scene was fucking bullshit. <laughs> and she said it, like, with such, like, conviction. I don't, I don't even remember. I don't even think she yelled. She said it, like you said. She said it with conviction. It was almost like the base not the base but like the 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 gentleness it, it of her voice like was getting yelled at by a parent yes yeah. bro <laughs> like i remember like she was sitting back when she said it i remember that <laughs> she was like because what you did before was fucking, fucking bullshit. bullshit and message received yes. the three of us were like okay immediately we, we did it again right into it yeah and you know again I love Titi Vicky. She gonna tell, she gonna tell you though when you're on some bullshit. Right. That's that's something that I love about. That's her. what I love about. Don't hold back on me, please. Mm-hmm. Don't sugarcoat shit for me. Yep. Tell me it how it is. Yeah. I'm going to take it and lick my wounds for a couple of days, but I'm right. gonna come back and I'm gonna come back stronger. Bro, some people gotta just realize <laughs> having a tough skin will make you a better person. Sometimes, yes, yes. You know, hundred and ten. Sometimes you just be on some bullshit. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes the last take was fucking bullshit. Yeah. You got to know. Yeah. But like the <laughs> fact that she laid it out. I had another director in college who I don't think you were around for hmm. um, Don when you were. No, at no, State. he left before I got there. So when I did Ernest, uh, Don Youngstrom directed it. So the importance of being Ernest for those who don't know out there, it starts out with two gentlemen. They're both kind of like catfishing this other girl. It's a, it's a weird story <laughs> now. It's a classic, but it's so fun. It's a weird, it's I a weird it. story. Um, so the act one, it's three acts, and the first act starts out with me and um, Jack in that show, who is played by my friend Jesse Tiber, mm-hmm. um, talking back and forth and going through that. And the one day we were doing a, a run, I can't remember if we were just going to do it with act one or act two or the whole thing, mm-hmm. but bro, we get six or seven minutes into this thing, and Don goes, stop, right? <laughs> He's like, hold for a second. And he walks his ass all the way from, like, the center of the audience down to the front. Because, oh, like, man. he always just sat in the comfort seat. He has a cane, so he's doing it slowly, that right? silent walk-up. silent walk-up. And he gets down there, and he goes, that was awful. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, he didn't mince his words. He goes, that was awful. And he looks at me, and he was like, you've been going – He's like, you're not giving the energy that I told you to give it and not do it. And I'm like, this. And then he looked at Jesse and he was like, you're doing the same fucking bullshit I told you not to do like the other day. Right. So whatever run it was, he was like, tell everybody else that's not involved in this act to go home. And we're just going to run act one for the rest of the time. But you know what? You needed to hear that. I needed to hear it. I bet the next take was fine. You better fucking believe it. Yeah. Like I, I got in my head the rest of the rehearsal about it. And then. Through the rest of that run, I was a totally different person, and I think that show is what, like, kind of brought me to where I am now. Yeah. So, directors like Vicky and, like, Don that Mm -hmm. don't sugarcoat that shit, thank you for that. Right. Chris Kelly, you have done this for me a bunch of times where you have not sugarcoated shit. Mm -hmm. Like. Don't sugarcoat things for that's the worst thing you could do as a director. Just yeah. know how to tell me, please. Yeah. Yeah. Right, please. And actors, you know, 
Take it in stride. Take it in stride. Take it in stride. and just, Don't have that big of an ego where, like, yep. a note is going to hurt your entire career for the rest of the time. Dude, you got to leave your ego at the door. With you got to leave your – because guess what? You're going to have a bad time yeah. if you do that. You're going to have a terrible time. If you are ego-based in the acting industry, it is going to get hurt. See, I, <laughs> see I – one of my first acting mentors ever was uh, Lorna C. Hill. Oh, yes. Shout out to Auntie. R.I.P. Auntie. R.I.P. Um, dude, I remember she was one of the, she was probably my first acting mentor. Definitely my first act. When I got to, to performing arts, mm-hmm. I started off as a communications major. Oh, wow. And I was in rehearsals for Aida and she was like, baby, you're a communications major. <laughs> and she ended up making it happen that I became a theater major. <laughs> but dude had some experiences from Aida. She oh was God. like, bro, I remember. You remember Eli? I know you know Eli. I, I yeah, I Eli just saw Tyler. L the other day. Yeah. No way, for real. Yep, yep. Oh, um, shoot. They work at Terrapin now. Ah, yeah. wait, oh, so he's working with Mac. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, so, dude, I gotta visit Terrapin. Man. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> a, it's the best place to be. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Um, but yeah, she goes. Uh, <laughs> and I hope Eli doesn't get mad at me for saying this, but she goes, Eli, you walking like you got to stick up your butt, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I start walking up stay off stage, and she goes. And Alejandro, don't think I'm not talking to you either. <laughs> Get back on stage. Bro, she made me pull out an imaginary stick out my butt. She did not. Oh, I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to Bro, and it, listen, she wasn't wrong. I was walking like I had the badonka dunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so serious. Holy I, shit, but that's I pulled incredible. that thing out, and I, listen, I learned my lesson. I, be, I, I bet you did. You know? Him, Eli, him, Eli, and me both, and um, <laughs> there was that. And then I remember, you know, this is a high school so high school show, so you know, we all have one rehearsal where we all be on some bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess Auntie was just not feeling it, and she goes, "If one more person asks one more stupid question, I'm going home." Oh my god. <laughs> And so, obviously, <laughs> someone asks a stupid-ass question, and she goes, I'm done. Oh <laughs> just my walks God. out, bro. No. <laughs> yes. Seriously? Yeah, so we had George Brown, the assistant director, finish it out. Oh and then God. I remember at one point, oh, man, uh, we were doing Frankenstein. And again, kids on some bullshit. And she goes, if y'all don't shut up. I will pull my pants down and shit on this floor. <laughs> Guess who shut the fuck up? Everybody. All of us. <laughs> Don't want us to see no one shit on the floor. That makes the most sense. Oh, I, oh my God. But just such a brilliant human being, though, man. And I, I wish that's one of my regrets in life is I didn't get to to bond with her on a more intellectual level as I got older. Mm-hmm. Bro, she's I, I believe she's the first, the first, not only... She's the first, not only African American, but also the first woman to graduate from Dartmouth University. Wow! Yeah, man, just a legend. God bless Straight you, up man. legend. She knows. She knows like any regret you had or anything like that. She knows. Oh yeah. She. Uh, I got to see her before she passed, and good. And I remember the. She always. She kept saying, "As long as you lead with love and justice." You can never go wrong. Oof. 
That's powerful right there. Yeah, man. That's something that I will always carry with me. That's always. a beautiful thing. Yeah. We need beautiful people like that, just mm. not only in our lives, but in our communities. And yeah, like and, and, and she's somebody that, that Titi Vicky considers to be a mentor. She, mm. always, she always tells me that whenever she's coming across a very hard decision, specific, not, I don't even want to say artistically, I think just in life, she, she says she always sits back and she asks, what would Lorna do? Yeah. That's you know? a beautiful thing, and you know yeah. if Vicky looks up to it, then it's somebody to be respected. Yeah, like a hundred percent. I feel like I'm, 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 I'm a part of the Lorna Seahill acting tree. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. <You know? 100%. laughs> That's a good thing, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness, I'm proud of it. Yeah. Proud of it. God bless our theater ma- mentors, man. Like, just amazing people that we need throughout our whole lives. Oh yeah. And like, yeah, just theater in general has been a blessing. I can't wait to get back to it, dude. I really can't. Oh, man, me neither. In the right ways. I know I'm going to be more selective about a lot of stuff. Same, same, That's same. one thing I've come to. I I mentioned on another episode, but it was crazy with Koki going from one experience that paid the same amount as that to mm-hmm. that experience, which paid the same amount, yeah. and having them be two do- totally different experiences oh, yeah. to go through. Because yeah. you, re- you remember what I was involved in, like— Bro, I remember before that, day. and it was it was a it was a hard thing to go through. Yeah. It was a very very hard thing to go through. I was I was in the trenches with you. I know, I know you were, <laughs> and you were you were like pushing me every step of the way. Which God bless you for that. Oh man, I got you. Yeah, I know. But we're gonna we're gonna get back to theater, and we're gonna get back to you know creating our own stuff too. Yeah, this community is gonna be back and popping in no time. I know it is. Yeah. In the meantime. I don't know. Let's start writing, dude. Let's Bro, start like do doing something. shit like that. Got to do something. This is our youth is still on the table. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Anybody wants to whoever wants to pick that up, <laughs> let's go. Like I'm ready right now to. for that. <laughs> um. So like we've done so much time already, but I want to keep. Let's. I want to keep going. Let's dude. do it. Let's like, keep this going. Is, this is definitely this is on track to be our longest episode, and it's going to be. Oh yeah. I'm but gonna, I couldn't I'm like. My wine. I I don't want to let you go without. Yeah. Please refill your wine. Gotcha. Um. I don't want to let you go uh-huh. without talking a little bit of MMA oh, because you're yeah. one of the few people that like I could really keep a good conversation with. That's something we bonded over during West Side Story. Yeah. I remember. So what are you caught up on right now? Um, what, what was the last thing you watched? So I watched Nganu just annihilate Stipe, unfortunately. Bro. Well, not even unfortunately. Just I felt bad for Stipe. But I did too. I love Stipe Miocic so much. But... Lord Nganu is a whole new. It, he's just a whole nother animal. Dude. Yeah, bro. There's, there's, you know, you can watch athletes all day, and kind of some of them kind of just look like regular people. You yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, and Ganu is intimidating. Watching him, through he's a terrifying. Yeah, bro. he's terrifying. No matter where you would meet him or doing. There was this video on Instagram that like someone put up. I think it might have been him, but I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But it was him with Shaq, and he's picking Shaq up. And oh, putting yeah, him over his head, dude. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, okay. I would. That this is insane. This, this terrifying. Oh, he's just like a walking muscle." I just mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it was it was weird going into that fight because Ngannou's the favorite going into it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, there's. There's such stupidity on these betting lines right now because mm-hmm. it was two years since the first time him and Stipe fought, right? Right. And we saw in that fight, Stipe took the shots mm-hmm. and he used the wrestling to get in on him and outwork him. And it worked. And like, go, yeah, for 25 minutes. So mm-hmm. it's like the game plan. 
So then we see like a grand total of less than three minutes of fight time from Francis within the next couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. He loses that snoozer to Derek Lewis, which everybody, we we forget about that and we forgive that, especially now, because if it's going to happen again now, let it happen now because they're both at the peaks of their careers and that fight will never happen again the way it happened the first time. Right. But you see him with a combined like three minutes after that in the octagon. Mm-hmm. So you go, we have no real sign right. that what, he's what, improved. What in type the of Ngannou are we going to get? Here? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's no reason to believe Stipe is not going to outwork him, bro. But when they got to the ground, I could not believe that. Son, the way he switched positioning. I said it so right quick. from that point. I said it's over. Yeah, literally. That's it. I remember because my brother, uh, Rolando Bebo, um, <laughs> I remember looking at him and being like, holy. It's over. That's how he's moving now? It's over. Yeah. Like, as soon as that happened, even DC said after that he was getting texts from people and they were like, it's over. Yeah. Like wrestling experts. Bro, because if you can't even get to the ground with him, you don't want to stand with this man. Yeah. Clear. Oh, man. Stipe almost had him. Though. Yeah, he's got punching power. Yeah. He caught him off that. It, and it, and that's what killed him, too, at the end of that fight. So yep. he, at the end of that fight, Ngannou has him hurt. Stipe hits him off that backpedal like yep. he's so good at doing. That's how he knocked out Fabricio Verdum and mm. won the title was off that backpedal. I never caught that fight. Dude, great. He He's running, and he hits him with um, a right hand off the back foot like mm. when he's backpedaling. Yeah. And Verdum just falls on his face, and that's it. Like he's out. He's like totally out with that. Damn. So he hits him with – he has surprising power off the backpedal. But he hits Nganu with that. And Nganu wobbles a little bit like Just he was a hurt. Little bit. Yep. Just a little bit. And Stipe sees that and he was like, he got too got cautious. Yep. And that fall, <laughs> when Nganu hit him and he fell, he was out, man. I was like, his knee might be fucked for the he, rest of his career. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it Like, you know, it's a bad knockout when you have concerns of your knee ligaments. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Dude. And it's funny because I was. um. He was on uh, Flagrant 2, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Schultz podcast. Yep, yep. He had an interview, and he basically said that he, he baited Stipe into making that move. Mm-hmm. Like he, Not that he baited him, but that he saw that he kind of got tagged a little bit. He felt it. He saw Stipe charging. He saw an opening, yeah. And he just he took it. He's so smart. And like when you consider the relatively short amount of time that he's been – out of Cameroon and like mm. had that whole story and trying to get into Europe over and over again and coming to the United States and having like he's still like less than ten years into MMA. That's just insane. It's insane. It like, helps that you, you look him? like LeBron James plus another LeBron James. <laughs> but it's it's he's the know. definition of what you would expect like a superhero villain to look like. <laughs> he's up. just chisel like or a superhero dog. Yeah. Like, he, I, yeah, but it's so cool though that that even, you know, a guy with all the athletic blessings in the world still has to work his ass off and still has all of these obstacles that he has to overcome, yeah. including his own his own family. Yeah, doubts. he yeah. talked about that on in the interview. How like, you know, you, it's uh, you have to have some, you have to have a belief in yourself where even if no one else does, mm-hmm. you can keep moving forward. Yep. But then also finding the 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 difference between believing in yourself and not being arrogant and being able to learn. Yeah, because that's know? that's a crazy thing that Dana had said, especially 
after the first fight mm-hmm. because before the first fight that him and Stipe had, mm-hmm. Francis was he went to France. Like he had he like disappeared. He had just knocked out Alistair Overeem and instead of going right back to the gym and training for a heavyweight title fight, mm-hmm. he's going to France and just like on vacation. Mm-hmm. And he fought to give you an idea, because I know you're like you know a lot about it, but like yeah, yeah, you may yeah. not know certain timelines. Right. So he knocked out Alistair Overeem in December of oh, I remember the that previous knockout. year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. made his toes curl. And he fought Stipe in January. Okay. So he fought him a month later. Like, oh. he was ready to do it. But I didn't it, remember how quick that turned Yeah, around. that was a quick turnaround he mm. had for that. So instead of going back to the gym and training for a title fight, mm-hmm. he decided to fuck off to France for mm. whatever long. And then after the Derek fight where no activity happened whatsoever, that was, it was like the least activity ever in any fight for the most part. Yeah. Um, Dana went off on this thing where he was like, he's arrogant, he's cocky, like he's all this and all that. Mm-hmm. Now he's totally erased these perceptions about yep. himself to everybody. I think it's a beautiful thing. I've always Ooh. liked Francis. Being able to watch someone grow in that way, and I don't know him personally. I don't know if he ever had to grow. Like maybe he was never arrogant. Oh, yeah. I'm but, sure he did. Yeah. But but having – it's tough having your growth like in such a – public eye yeah you know yeah that's really hard so maybe he went to france just to disappear dog yeah you know what i mean exactly i would if i was rich like that and i had the money to just go wherever i wanted to figure my shit out mm-hmm. i'd go to france yeah <laughs> i know shout out to francis and yeah. I, I i mentioned this fight on the last podcast too it's just so good that I, I'm so happy for him. It's such a good, good, good MMA story that yeah. d- that like they're gonna make a movie about this. You think so? Oh yeah, yeah. Between his journey to like get to where he is now mm-hmm. to like him actually fighting, they were going to make a movie about. I it. I could see it. There's no way, no. especially with the way he looks. Like his whole complex, he's like, yeah, that is movie material. That's a mm. real life Rocky in mm. a lot of senses, mm. you know. Yeah. But um, real question now is. Who you got, Jones or Ngannou? Oof. That's so hard, dude. It if really Jones is. get the size, then Jones can beat anybody. You think so? But I want to see Ngannou knock his fucking head off. <laughs> you don't fuck with Jones, huh? I don't huh? fuck with Jones Jones at all. Really? I don't. So I don't like all the bullshit. I he's fuck done. with him in a lot. So this is this is why I fucking mm. <laughs> because he's a new MMA fan. So I, it's funny because. Um, Matt, my producer who was here earlier, I was telling him about this at a point. Mm-hmm. But the first real rivalry I got into in MMA. So I started hardcore watching MMA. I had seen a bunch of fights and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I started watching hardcore MMA around UFC 181. And I'm checking to make sure that's right right now. Um, you told me this before, and I can't remember who was the main card. So on the that. main event of that card was the second fight between. Um, yep. Okay. So UFC 181. So that's the exact one. Gotcha. So that was the, the main event was the second fight between Johnny Hendricks and Robbie Lawler, where Robbie Lawler took the belt. Gotcha. So my beginning to MMA was Robbie taking the belt and Showtime defending his lightweight championship against Gilbert Melendez. Mm. So during this pay-per-view, I see this promo for these two guys named John Jones mm-hmm. and Daniel Cormier, where all of a sudden they're at this 
weigh-in conference or this media day, Bro, and they're I in each other's faces, and yep. DC shoves John Jones. And they fall. And they fall. <laughs> they get fined. They do that. They have the, old in, the whole interview. That with was that. your first, like? That was my first, like, hype up to a pay-per-view. So oh, that was, like, the next okay. month that was happening, right? Got you. So, and, and that was the whole, like, hey, pussy, are you still there? Like, that, <laughs> yeah. that whole thing. That fucking thing. Man. So the whole time I'm like, DC's way too good of a goody two shoes, and John Jones is gonna like. I wanted to see him smoke him this entire time or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So Jones wins that fight, and then like a month later, he's supposed to fight Rumble, and he gets in that whole thing where he rear ends the pregnant lady yep. and fucking goes out and like comes back and like grabs his coke and his money and like mm-hmm. all the stupid shit he did. That's the thing, man. He's done a lot of damaging shit. He's done a lot of damaging you know? shit. And it, it's hard to 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 gauge where he is mm-hmm. on his mistakes and like where he is on his journey. Because you don't know how serious it is. That's the thing. Because he has this persona that that hey pussy you still there line where he's mm-hmm. talking to DC was so instrumental in establishing who John Jones is mm-hmm. because you saw that he thought the cameras were off, so he thought he could start s- sneaking those shots and doing all this right, or whatever. Right. So he reruns that pregnant lady. Um, DC ends up fighting Rumble Johnson for the vacant lightweight, uh, light heavyweight title. He gets it. Mm-hmm. In my mind, DC's still not like the real champ. It's still John right, Jones, right, right. right? So then DC defends against Gustafson in a great fight. That's, so fucking good. Awesome that's a great fight that he had with him. He's supposed to fight Jones the next year in like mid-year or so. DC gets hurt. So DC pulls out of that fight. Oh, I forgot he got hurt. And then he yeah. fought Rumble, right? No, um, Jones fought OSP at that point. So that oh, so that's okay, what okay, happened. Okay. So Jones fought OSP. Um and like washed him mm-hmm. like OSP is a great fighter but like John Jones is John Jones like yeah not they gonna, were just like, like similarly they have a similar athletic yeah profile, and right? and Jones was training for powerlifting that whole time so he's not training uh, for like fighting so like that was why it was a slow fight for and a was lot it, of people wasn't he coming fresh off of suspension yeah so okay, that was that now, was his first fight after suspension okay. right yep. So then you lead into UFC 200. Originally, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz is supposed mm-hmm. to be the main event in their second fight. And then Conor has that whole Iceland thing where he can't make the press conference and blah, blah, blah. Yep. So then new main event is John Jones, Daniel Cormier, too, and this which is, is supposed to be that's that's the fight. Yep. For UFC 200, mm-hmm. where you're doing the next, like, 100th landmark event, that was that's a, the fight you should be making. That was a July fight, right? Yes. I that's the international white, uh, fight week fight. Yes. Like, that's the big one that you're doing. I remember. Doing. So two days before this, and forgive me because I get fucking mad every nah, time man, I talk I, about I've this. I've seen the footage. I've seen the footage. Two or three days before this fight, Jones tests positive. Man. And he said it was for a sex pill. I don't know what it was for. I, it's so hard for me to take it as credible all the time where when, nobody else is getting fucking popped yeah, for this. But and not even that when you've done so much dumb shit before. It, yeah. That's know? the other thing with it. So DC loses a fight. And has to fight Anderson Silva. Wrestles him the whole time. Right. Which, like, people gave him shit for. 
You're you fighting Anderson notice. Silva on two days' notice. Right. Two days' notice. Which Yeah, I you're going to wrestle him. Anderson Silva's a beast in jiu-jitsu anyways, isn't he? Right, yeah. So, right, so it's not like you're being at the ground is going to disadvantage DC him. DC talks about all the time how he ate a body shot in that third round, and he had to wrestle him because it hurt so bad. He Damn, said he caught really? him like that it was like it was that bad of a shot that he wow. hit him. Wow. And DC's a thick boy. Yeah, he is. And at this point, and like I hate myself for saying this, at this point, I still don't like DC. I still really? don't like him. I'm getting sympathy for him for mm. this point. But I still don't like him. So flash forward, we're at UFC 210. He's now defending it against Rumble. So DC is still the champ. He defends it against Rumble or whatever. Um, gets that done. UFC 214 or 215. I think it's 215 mm-hmm. that we're going this. I'm just going to I'm gonna say it with confidence yeah, and hope say, that I'm right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so DC fights Jones for the second time finally. Jones head kicks him. Mm-hmm. Knocks him out in the third round. Yep. Definitive. Definitive. That's it. Yep. That's it. Like, you did it. You're done. Right. DC crying at that post-fight interview is when I first started to realize, holy shit, he's human, and I've been shitting on him this whole time. Oh, you used to shit on him? I DC. used to shit on him so much. Oh, really? I used to call him boring. I used to call him this fake champion. I used to, like, mm. this is all stuff now that I'm saying with, like, I feel a real a huge <laughs> knot in the pit of my stomach when I talk about it because I appreciate how good DC is now. See, the moment I started liking DC was when I saw the footage of uh, Dana yeah, telling, telling him, and he stomps on the floor, and he's like, can I sign anything? Yeah, can, can I, I sign a waiver? I'll fight him anyway. He wanted to take – he's just such a Bro, pure fighter. He's a pure person and a That's pure when I started liking him. When he was like, he's, I'll take John Jones he's even so if he's on PEDs. He's so good. He's so good. And now he's a hell of a commentator. Yes, he's so good now. I love listening to his commentary. Yeah, I don't him. like listening to UFC <laughs> otherwise, yeah, honestly. Bro. Him I, and Rogan is just a perfect he's tandem. He's so pure. Yeah, he's who's, so the, what's pure. The, what's, who's the third guy's name? John Anik. John, John Anik is amazing. Yeah. Shout out to John Anik. He's worked for everything he's gotten. Oh, yeah. So going back to this, UFC 214 or 215, I'm calling it 215 for the confidence sake. 215. Jones knocks out DC, mm-hmm. and then two days later, he motherfucking tests positive yep. again. Mm-hmm. And you could call it picograms. You could call it pulsating. You could call it whatever the fuck you want. Why is there never been another case of this happening? This is wild, man. Why is there never been another case of this happening? Right. And then and, – and <sighs> Guys You're like the goat, man. but but think of it this way too: Josh Barnett, mm-hmm. Tom Lawler, and Frank Mir. These are three people I can think of off the top of my head, yeah, who have been caught, quote unquote, tested positive for a supplement, and then have proved that it wasn't their fault that they took it, and have had to accept these fucking three or four year suspensions yep. where they can't do anything and like. Their income is gone. That's that's one thing that I don't like about the UFC is that, uh, you know, you see John Jones. You see Connor, who's done a lot of dumb shit. He's done a lot of dumb shit. And, and you know. That Brooklyn incident, I would have punished him way more for that. Yeah, exactly. And and I think Dana just leads with profit, man. Yeah. At the end of the hard. day, that's what he does. And it sucks. It's hard. It sucks because if you're just like – if you're a principled person, you know – you, you disagree with it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like, you're trying to make as much money as possible. It's it's a free market. It's a capitalist um, 
yeah. ideal. Yeah. But but it just sucks, man, because you got a lot of good fighters that this is a this is a living for them, but they're not they're not making nearly no. enough. No, your mid card sometimes mid carders are making like a, a a different like amount than like barely enough to. They're not getting paid for the, the training yeah. camp and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, got to pay your, tra- your trainers, got to pay everybody involved, your nutritionists, yep. everything like that. So, like, my thing is, John Jones, you are the you are the goat right now. Mm-hmm. You are the greatest mix- martial artist of all time. You tested positives too many times, mm. too many times for my yeah. comfort. N- this is happening to nobody else. Right. Nobody else. If it were happening all the time, people have got suspended for years based on things that you've gotten away with. Mm-hmm. So if you're jumping to light heavyweight or to heavyweight, take it seriously. Right. Because if you go in and you finish Francis, you're the GOAT. Let, That's let, it. Let me ask you this, though, because since he's tested positive, he's had a few really good – like that Gustafson second fight, bro, when he broke him down but you with gotta, that one kick. you got to remember with that fight, too, he tested positive again before that fight, and they moved the whole fucking thing to oh, that's California. Right. So, like, what's going and on? And then he didn't look great against uh, – Tiago uh, Santos. Tiago Sa- Shout out to Tiago Santos for – I, in my opinion, it was a really close fight. I thought I didn't know who won that yeah, fight going into it. Me neither. It. And and Tiago Santos did that shit on one knee. Yeah, because his knee was a noodle. Shot. Yeah. Shot. Nobody else. He was, else he was still to throwing kicks too, man. That was impressive to me. But nothing else that night too was gonna top um, Masvidal knocking out Ben Askren oh in five God. seconds. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> speaking of Masvidal, do you do you think he's gonna beat uh, Usman? No. No. Um, I think Usman's going to stomp his foot to ab- <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> that's the thing people say with him, right? Yeah, I just, I'm just i making fun. No, I know, I know. And, like, it's good to do that with that. And that's – I'm going to ask you some predictions at some point, and this mm-hmm. was one of the ones I was going to get to, so I'm glad we're talking about this now because I gotcha. did want to talk it talk about it in full extent. So this is – let me start this out by saying I have nothing against Jorge Masvidal. Okay. I love the dude. I think his resurgence is just the most fantastic thing because people didn't appreciate him enough. Yep. When I was coming into this, one of the first things I remember was Cowboy being on a tear at welterweight and him coming in and knocking Cowboy out in the second round and not I've even never making seen it that look knockout. close. Maybe it's I haven't like brutal. a highlight reel. You get you got to watch it. I'll I'll make sure I send you my fight pass information. You got to start watching a lot of this stuff. Hell yeah. So He's he's a beast. So mm-hmm. he he goes from that from what I remember. This is just my timeline of this. He goes from that to losing a split decision to Damian Maya, which was a theme that he talks about in his resurgence and mm-hmm. his rebirth, to losing a great fight against uh Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, which Stephen Thompson is a hard fight for any man Bro, alive. That karate stance is wild. That's, that tall is that's Tyra uh, or that's Kamaru Usman's hardest fight in my you opinion. Think? Oh yeah, oh mm. yeah. Because Usman is a his IQ is amazing for the wrestling and things like that. Right. Kickboxing, I don't think he stands with um, mm. Wonder Boy unless he gets a good shot because Wonder Boy is so smart. Yeah. It's it's that fight IQ, right? And I think he's got that for that stand up level. If if Camaro gets him to the ground, totally different story. Yeah, that's the thing with Wonder Boy. He his ground game is damn near non existent. Yeah, right? exactly. So, um, 
Usman, uh, so Masvidal fights those two, right? Mm-hmm. Switches, goes on that reality show, gets his whole career resurgence, comes back, starches Darren Till in something nobody ever thought was going <sighs> to happen. I love that fight. I love that fight, too. Um, knocks Askren out in five seconds. Five seconds. Man. And you got you to gotta remember at this point, too, and I know you know this. Mm-hmm. But Askren's 19-0 and 0 going into yeah, this bro. fight. Yeah, Askren was like, for a lot of people, they considered Askren like... The, the welterweight goat outside of the UFC. Yeah, and and the contender against Khabib. Yes. Just who somebody who could beat him at least as a wrestler. Yep. Yeah. Goes out, ends all that hype in five seconds. Bro, really just... three seconds, if you look yeah. at that knockout. Because he was out by the time the knee connected. Yes, like he's gone. <laughs> like he's out. That's it. I can't even imagine... Going through something like that. Dude. Yes. So then we move from that to um, the Nate Diaz fight, which I was just watching today. That's a fun. That was a fun fight. That was a really fun fight. Masvidal pieced him up. Yeah. 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 Pieced him up, and I don't understand why. Like, because they were talking about that rematch for a while. Oh, really? I don't think that rematch needed to happen either. No, because I think it was set up on a whole um, gimmick to begin with. I with, think like, it was on a gimmick to begin title. with, and like. He beat him three rounds to nothing. Yeah, bro. He he dominated. Diaz. He dominated it like yeah. that was it. So he go he goes through all that. Meanwhile, Kamaru Usman is destroying everybody. Yeah, including everybody. Robert Covington. In, in, that in, was a fun. Inclu- that was fun watching, including him. Colby. Yeah, fucking, or, fucking Robert Covington. No, a I know. Basketball I know player. <laughs> That's why <laughs> Colby blending your two different genres. <laughs> No, so he, yeah, you're right. So that Covington fight, which was one of my favorite fights that I've ever seen, mm-hmm. right? Broke his jaw and shit. But, like, his his resume going into this is, like, he gets um, Sean Strickland in Buffalo. Then he gets um, Shaman Marais, where he knocks him out. Mm. Then he gets um, uh, Emil Weber-Meek, which he a lot of it was exposed, and people thought that was going to be a point with Usman where he was going to be exposed uh. and he was going to be like a lot of people would have ideas on how to beat him. Mm-hmm. Then he fights Damian Maya and Damian Maya. He washes him really? even though there was a weird point in the first round where Damian had an amazing position and yeah. you know him. He's a submission. Expert. I was just going to say exactly. he had a good position and the ref broke them up, mm. which I was very weird about because Not it was very though. early. Mm. It was very early to break them up with that, but he gets that right. Regardless, regardless, he gets that. Then he gets the RDA fight, right? Mm-hmm. Woodley is supposed to fight um, Covington at the time because Covington is the they're interim champ. Going at each other yeah, the and they're going too. at each other and all that good stuff. Fights Darren Till in the interim. Talks so much shit to Usman when their fight is lined up about how he's not going to take him down. And this like is Woodley, we're talking about. Woodley, yeah, Bro, Woodley Usman is saying this to Usman. Woodley look Whopped washed. Him. Like, he made Woodley look like he didn't want to fight anymore. He made what he walked. One of my favorite MMA images is Usman. Like he has this strut about him when he walks away from people that he knows he's beaten. Yeah, where yeah. his head is just up, his shoulders are up in this. Mm-hmm. So there's one specific image of him doing that, and the ref by Woodley, and Woodley has this look on his face like I don't know what the fuck to do here. And the whole time Woodley yeah. is going. What are you gonna do to me? Right, he's like nobody is breaking me. He's calling I remember him, calling him yeah, Marty yeah. from Nebraska, like calling oh, him like shit. all these really? like yeah. Because 
so all the story about this, Ben Askren used to be Usman's wrestling trainer, and he didn't yep. know how to say Kamaru, so he used to say, like, Marty, who's Marty? Who's Kamaru? Oh, like, real? so he started calling him Marty, right? So uh, that thing comes from Ben Askren, too. So he's saying, like, Marty from Nebraska is not beating me in this. Gotcha. Usman goes out, starches him, fights Colby, who mm-hmm. people say that's his kryptonite, right? Breaks his jaw. Breaks his jaw and breaks him. Yep. Colby can say whatever he wants. He was yeah. out, and that wasn't going any other yeah. way. And, and Usman did it differently than a lot of people. Differently. Yeah. Differently. Yeah. And then. For his second defense, goes out, starches um, uh, Masvidal, which mm-hmm. it wasn't close in that fight. Yeah, and Masvidal's defense, though, it was, what was it, last week? It was a yeah, it was like notice. six days' notice or yeah. whatever that and he I did that. I feel like Masvidal was not taking that weight cut seriously. At I don't think he was either at, yeah. at a lot of points. I think he was trying to get that paycheck for, for, that, mm-hmm. for that fight at least. Because he knew Dana didn't really have anybody to replace. No, he didn't. Yeah. There was the, there was nobody. He was in trouble with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the interim, too, Usman knocks out um, Gilbert Burns, mm-hmm. who is his former training partner and somebody that like oh I didn't know he that. had to go with. Yep, yep. Yeah, they both trained under Henry Hooft, so they like yeah. they, they're like from the same camp, right? So Usman. In the meantime, too, and this may change your perspective, too. Mm-hmm. So in preparation for both fights with Burns, he started training at Team Elevation, which is where Trevor Whitman is, okay. who is the coach to Justin Gaethje oh. and Corey Sanhagen and those crazy fuckers Dang. out there. Okay. So with that long-winded explanation with that, I don't think – that Masvidal has shown enough improvement mm-hmm. to where his style is going to be a threat for Kamaru. That makes sense. I think that Kamaru keeps evolving. I think there's a reason that he called um, Uz- or, uh, Masvidal out for this fight specifically. Yeah, I think he sees a lot more. I think he knows he can finish him in this fight, which I think that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um. That doesn't say that I count Masvidal out. Yeah, I will I, never count him out of. I wanted to ask you, like, how do you, how much better at least? Because you're much you, better. Yeah. I think he comes in much better. I think I think he's going to have much more preparation for the wrestling defense and right. things like that. Because his wrestling, he doesn't have great wrestling, but he has good wrestling defense. Yes, least, right. But but there's yes, absolutely. But you think of. It's so hard to say about Nate Diaz, too, because I love Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm. But, like, he beat Nate Diaz. Right. Nate Diaz, like, before Connor, he's not beating a lot of dudes either. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's had one title opportunity, and he got thrown around the entire time. Who was it against? Uh, Benson Henderson back in the oh, day. Shit. So Benson Henderson worked him. Yeah. Like, took it to Nate Diaz. He was the champ at Bellator for a while, right? Um, no, he was – no, that was WC. WC um, oh, okay. he's champ at. So, gotcha, but, gotcha. so you're right train of thought. Um, just wrong organization with mm-hmm. that. Um, so he beat – so, like, that's my thing with Nate is the biggest thing he's done in his career is submitting Connor on 10 days' notice. Mm-hmm. And that's going to create legitimacy forever. Yep. For he, you. he he got a lot of paychecks with Connor based on the storyline. Yes. 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 You know? And like the whole thing of him ca- calling him out at the end of the Michael Johnson fight. The water bottle. I remember that. I remember all that, all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like the BMF belt was a great thing and it was a cool thing. But I don't know 
I, I still just don't know how much legitimacy outworking Nate Diaz for three rounds really gets you. I agree. I think if you look at Diaz's record, man, he's had, what, like 16 losses? Yeah. Something, something like that. Like, and it's, like it's something crazy. W's. Like, yeah, like 10 or 11 he's up to at yeah. this point at so least. So he's, he's, he's a fighter. That's what he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he's not necessarily one of the best. You know, it's kind of like you look at Cowboy, who I think he's probably a little bit better of yeah. a fighter. But he's, it's also he's never won inside the top five, right? No, he never has. Yeah. So it's and just kind of like you kind of fall into place in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's hard to see that with, like, the levels of people like that. Right. So speaking of, like, things that, like, make me mad and different MMA qualms <laughs> I have right now. Yeah. So I don't know if he watched one championship the other day. Um, no, but all. I think I know where you're going with okay, this. Okay, cool. So l- let me start. Let me backtrack to the UFC real quick. You saw the Aljamain Sterling and Piotrion fight. Yep. So where did you, before the knee, mm-hmm. where did you think that fight was? And where did you think that was going? I want to say, I want to say Jan was winning. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. yeah. So one judge had it up two rounds to one for Sterling. Mm-hmm. The other two had it, I think, 2-1 to Jan. So it was a close fight then. So it's a close fight, and Jan is starting to run run away with it. Right. That's one thing I can say going into that fourth round is that's, he was definitely – he had more gas in the tank than Aljo does. That's why was so unexplainable, right, though. Right, So he throws a knee to a grounded opponent, which grounded opponent is considered one knee down. You are mm-hmm. grounded. And he didn't throw it – as like an accidental throw. It looked either. Pur- it looked purposeful. It looked purposeful and it looked like he knew exactly what he was doing with right. that shit. It was in Ray Longo who's um Aljamain Sterling's coach. His his words were it was execution style. Mm. Which it was execution style. It both yeah. knees on the head. <laughs> yeah, bro. Throws the knee, yeah. right? Next step was curb stomping. Like that, right, exactly. It looked like a Mortal Kombat finisher, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So knees to a grounded opponent are Illegal in the UFC. So you have, like, no tolerance on that. So Aljo wins by DQ and gets the belt with that. So my main thing that I've heard through this is either allow knees to a grounded opponent Mm -hmm. or don't. Or, like, keep it like that. There's no in-between with that. Like, don't make it this weird rule where it's, like, one hand on the ground and doing all this and doing all that and, like, things like that. I don't know. Yeah, I know. So, but but that brings me to the other point too. Yeah. So one championship happens the other day, mm-hmm. and two weird, really, really, really weird things happen during this card. So first, Eddie Alvarez, the still the underground king in my opinion. Yeah. Like he is the underground king. He is just an amazing fighter, an amazing human being. He is. Um, Taking it to Yuri Lapagus, mm-hmm. who's this guy he's fighting. Taking it to him. Gets the takedown. Yep. Has him down on the ground. Pinned against the cage. Pinned against the cage. Okay, so you saw parts of this, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- starts throwing these shots. Gets warned that not to throw shots to the back of the head, right? You could hear it. You could hear it from the guy. He's telling him, don't throw the shots to the head, right? Mm-hmm. So his Yuri Lapagus has nothing for him at this point. He has he has nothing. Yeah. So Eddie's hitting him, and then Yuri gives him the back of his head, and Alvarez hits it, and they mm. pause the fight. 
That's where you land on this. I'm Eddie curious. ends up getting called for a DQ huh. in this fight. Right. Where not only do I not think personally that he was doing anything illegal, mm-hmm. but the opponent is giving him the back of his head. So that's what I wanted to ask you was where you just generally where you landed on it Mm -hmm. because it clearly didn't look like Alvarez knew that he was hitting the back of his head. Yeah. A couple of times he didn't. He still landed on the ears. No, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. But I love that you mentioned that he gave his head to him. He gave him the back of his head. He had his, his ear tucked in. You know, that which like, it's like, I don't know. Like, is that a defense? Would you consider that a defense mechanism? It's not. Like, or Put is your it just taking advantage? Your right. Put your hands up. Right. Over it's your a head. loophole at the end of the day. It's a loophole at the yeah. end of the day. Like you had no defense. You gave. That's the number one. And in, in any gym you go to or that you talk to has the same ideal. They'll tell you the first thing off. Mm-hmm. Just don't give them the back of your head. Right. Like, don't give them that to begin with. Mm. Like, no, you I'm, should always be like... That That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, Eddie, like... And, like, I feel fucking gutted for the dude. Yeah. I feel gutted for a, the dude. A lot of, a lot of shit has happened with, in his career. Oh, my God. Just, because yeah. he's he gets the lightweight title, which was such a huge thing in the UFC. He gets it from RDA, and I'll never forget watching that card and how hype I was for him yeah. that he's getting that, right? Gets starched. washed by Conor. Starched. Absolutely. Starched. I don't know what was going on with him during that fight, but yeah, that was man. not Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, he just looked shook. He wasn't there. Yeah. He wasn't there for that fight. Gets that um, no contest against uh, against Dustin the first time they fought. Yep. Then fights Gaethje in an absolute war. Oh, oh I remember that bloody fight. Great fight. Yeah. Great. A, a huge hematoma on the side of Justin Gaethje's mouth mm. by the time it's done. Like, it's crazy swelling. Like, didn't look like... Went through a fucking war for that fight. Fights Eddie, uh, or fights Dustin again. Dustin beats him. No shame in losing to mm-hmm. Dustin Poirier. We've learned oh. that at this point. Right. There's no shame at all in losing to that man. Leaves. Goes to one championship, right? Gets... Absolutely worked in his first fight. Gets yeah, knocked this, out really who, bad. Who was he fighting? Oh man, um, you're I'm gonna watching highlights of it. I, 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 the dude's name is on the tip of my tongue. I gotta look it up because it's it, it. It was somebody that was a legit dude that people thought like, ooh, if he doesn't take this guy seriously or if this guy lands a shot, it could be really, really bad at this yeah. point. Um, it is, hold on, hold on. Uh, Timothy Nasiukin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who's legit in one. He's so legit. He's no shame in losing to him whatsoever. Right. Then comes back for, um, the, this lightweight tournament, Mm -hmm. right. Um, beats, uh, Edward, uh, fully then has to withdraw from the tournament he's doing because he's injured. So it's like this dude can't catch a break. That's just... So he comes back after more than a year off. Mm -hmm. He gets in this fight that he's clearly winning, and he gets DQ'd with this. That's unfortunate. Gutted. Gutted for him for something that shouldn't have been called. But then we get... So we get to uh, Adriano Marais, 
mm-hmm. in the the main event, the mixed martial arts main event for that. Okay. Who I don't know if you know was fighting um Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse. Oh really? So he's fighting. Yeah. So he's fighting him in this, oh, right? Oh man, I wish I caught that. So the other day they um they have this fight, and Marice is legit. Okay, yeah. he's nineteen and. 18 or 19 and 3 going into this fight, has lost three fights in his career. Mm-hmm. All of them by split decision. Ooh. All of them by split. So that means every fight he's had, it's at, at least, least judge, at least one judge has had him winning mm. the fight. Right? So second round comes. They're trading really well. Mm-hmm. First round, Marais won easily. Yeah. Easily, easily won it, right? They get in the next fight. They're in the stand-up. Marais catches DJ mm-hmm. with a punch, gets him on the ground, right, is throwing, throws a knee to him on the ground, which is legal in one. Okay. Looks vicious, vicious yeah. knee. Yeah. Still counts. Marais wins. That's the end. First time DJ has been finished in his entire career. And it's a way in which and it's it couldn't through, have happened. And it's through a knee that wouldn't have happened if it was through the UFC. Huh. But – also, so here's the thing that makes me curious about this thing, too. And I don't like doubting Aljamain Sterling because I like believing whatever he says. But mm-hmm. DJ got up after that and was fine. Okay. Like, didn't have any, like... And a lot of people speculated in the fight with P.O. Rian that Aljo was kind of panning it up more than it actually had to be. Yeah, I remember but that. But DJ got up and was able to do his interview fine, was able to be curious, courteous fine. Right. So it's like, where's the line mm. at this point with these knees? Do we allow them? Do we not allow them? What do we I, do? I feel like there needs to be some type of scientific research mm-hmm. to show the the physiological dangers of kneeing someone when they're when – they're, hands are when they're grounded essentially i agree right like i feel like if you can explain to me that the leverage in which the leverage that you have when you're kneeing someone on the ground mm-hmm. versus when they're not grounded is tremendously different and almost dangerous to a certain degree then that's fine yeah but if 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 the impact isn't really changing you know if if it's not uh if you look at like a case study and it shows that it's not necessarily damaging uh, the fighters any any more harshly than another f- another hit would, yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Then that if you can back it up, then then you can add it to the to the to the rule book. Sure, you I know agree. What I mean, like I think personally right now, <laughs> look, it it could be an optics thing because I know for me, looking at somebody kneeing someone when they're grounded. It looks way worse than any other type of, of knee. Yeah. You know what I mean? It looks vicious. Because they look helpless. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I said, that shit feels like it's a step away from being curb stomped. Yep. And, you know, if you can explain that it's not as dangerous, that it's it's a it's a, a martial arts move mm-hmm. that, that you can use as a competitive edge without damaging the livelihood of the fighters, go for it. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's it's partially a thing too because I've heard this from coaches. I think you just need to decide whether it's legal or illegal or not because then fighters will defend for it. Mm. Like they're not going to leave. Like Aljamain Sterling isn't going to leave himself open to that knee if he knows it's legal. Right. 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 It, a mighty mouse. I'm sure he wanted to defend, 
maybe because of the rule set he's not thinking about used to it maybe yeah like not thinking about the repercussions or doing things like that Mm. but it's legal and he knows it's legal so he can like he can walk away from things like that right Exactly. but like make a decision Mm -hmm. make a decision with that and also i i'm very firmly on the stance that any judge or ref at this point needs to take at least one martial arts class or course you gotta gotta know what you're you're overseeing yeah because i just i i feel like a broken record but i feel so bad for eddie alvarez because he got he got robbed of that win yeah now it's just tough too because it looked like he really messed him up though because he was hitting the back of his head that too yeah you know it's hard to, to gauge whether or not he was he was playing it up a little bit but he took some serious blows. He did, yeah, and and that's something I can't deny too. But but I don't know, right? I, it's I, like I how do you know. how do you how do you continue to fight? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly. Which All right, is, yeah. So fun thing, I want to try for like towards the end of this co- podcast. I didn't mean Let's to cut it. you off. By no, the no, way. no, you're good. Um, so I've been trying to do like game style things for oh, like yeah. different people or things I was like hoping. that. But I just want. <laughs> So I just want your take on certain things with this. So there's no right answer, no wrong answer. So we're in the second quarter of the year. There are a lot of UFC events coming on. I'm going to kind of rapid fire at you a bunch of UFC like main events and things like that. I hope I don't embarrass myself. No, you'll be fine. (laughs) Um, You just tell me who you think is going to win these. Got you. Got you. So we'll start with the closest card, which um, the day this podcast airs, it'll be on 3 p.m. Today on ABC. So in the main event, we have Marvin Vittori, who was supposed to take on Darren Till this week. Darren Till broke his collarbone last Monday and had to pull out of the fight, which is shitty. However, Kevin Holland is stepping up on about a week's notice to take this fight. So we have a case between a really good striker. Really good uh, wrestler who has shown his striking is beautiful and is really good. Okay. So who takes the main event today as of listening, Marvin Vittori or Kevin Holland? Who's the wrestler? Uh, Vittori. I'm going Vittori then. I'll always generally go the wrestler just because if you can have that type of control over the fighter, it doesn't matter if you're stand-up. Sure. Agreed. Yep. Yeah, that, and that's a good one to pick, too, I feel like, because um, Kevin Holland just fought Derek Bronson a few weeks ago, oh, okay. and he got worked on the ground. Mm. He got he got worked really bad. To go. the point where he was Khabib was in the audience, and he's asking Khabib at the fence. He's like, what do I do? How do I train him? Like, how do I do this or whatever? And Kevin Holland's nickname is Big Mouth, so he's like, oh, okay. he's talking no matter what oh, fight. This is happening. This is the guy who, I don't know if you saw it at the end of last year, but this is the guy who knocked out Jacare from his back, who, like, oh, sprung up remember. and smacked him in the face, like, off the springboard. It was it was I a swear, crazy. I, I he went 5-0 and o last year. Really? Like, he's legit. He's, he fought five times? Yeah, he fought five times last year since May. He didn't even fight from since the beginning May. since May. So he fought five times from May to December and went five and all in those times. Nice. And he's great. He just needs like a little bit of discipline. But I think I think Vittori's hungry for that Israel rematch. And mm. I think he wants to go after Israel Adesanya. And yeah. I don't think I don't think anything's stopping him at this point. And I think after this weekend, he's gonna prove that that's like the only option. Mm. Unless um, Whitaker wins in two weeks, which is the one I want to get to next. So we have um, originally this was supposed to be Robert Whitaker versus Paulo Costa. It was supposed to be Costa's first fight back from 
<laughs> Izzy absolutely <laughs> washing him. That was uh, fun. It, well, yeah, that was that was really fun. We never talked about Izzy, the Izzy fight, by the way. Yeah, I know that that was a hard one. I I felt bad for him because I didn't want him going up to two hundred five in the first place. Oh, you didn't? I didn't. I wanted to see the Jones fight, so I wanted to see how he'd fare. I did too, but it's it's just clear that Blankovic is someone that people don't give enough credit to. Yeah, and I feel bad about that. He's been the underdog going into his last eight fights, <laughs> and he's won seven of them. Damn. So like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, like, what do you do? What do you do? I guarantee he's so he'll fight Glover Teixeira next, and I mm. know that because Teixeira it definitely deserves the next spot at light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. I guarantee Jan doesn't come in. As an underdog in that fight. I guarantee yeah. it now that that statistic's out there. It doesn't come in as that. It's tough for me watching that fight, though, just because it felt like... In terms of Izzy, it felt like he was constantly distancing himself. Yeah. Like, he didn't have the same ability to to kind of, like, get in and out yeah. with his, hit, with his striking. Really like, against Whitaker... A lot of his knockouts, bro, like against Costa, against Whitaker, mm-hmm. they came on like this two-piece on an exchange with the other fighter. Very true. And Very he true. was able to like reach with his length and just catch him. Yeah. Both, on both of those knockouts, he got caught with a punch, didn't he? He did, yep. yep. So I yep. think he couldn't He couldn't afford to do that with Jan. No, he, he couldn't. couldn't. The, the hand power, the power, his, dude, his hands look so hard, like when he hits people. Mm-hmm. He, Izzy couldn't afford to be around that. No. You know what I mean? So he couldn't really get into a rhythm with his striking. And then, and this is where I'll say, Jan got the points for it, technically, because of the takedowns. Mm -hmm. Right? But he wasn't doing anything but laying on him. No. That's my, that's my whole thing is. Yeah, he he couldn't get much done. He couldn't get much off with his. He just used his weight against Izzy. And, you know, that's all he had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Izzy was just—he's just too small, bro. Yeah, it, small. it was it was hard watching that fight, but um, if it was any fight he was gonna lose, let it be that one where right. he's going for glory. You know, learning lesson. Like fuck it, he's gonna learn from this, and we know unless your name is Khabib Nurmagomedov, nobody's staying undefeated at mixed martial arts, right, bro? And it's the thing is like he waxed the whole division before he got to he moved up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and like, he's gonna keep doing. What it. else were you gonna do? Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna keep watching that division too. Yeah. The fact that a very important thing um Jan said after that fight, which I found interesting, was he expected Izzy to be really fast and hit kind of like here and there, like kinda like pillow punches here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And something Jan said was that Izzy moved slower than he thought, mm. but he hit way harder. Which was very interesting. Because yeah. he it didn't look like Izzy was piecing him up, but it looked like Jan felt his punches. Yeah. So that's my thing is if he's that strong to a light heavyweight, mm. who's piecing him up at middleweight? I not I a lot know. of people. He's gonna he's gonna dominate. If he stays he's, there, he's gonna be no one's beating him. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. Um so back to this. Yep. So originally supposed to be Paula Costa versus Robert Whitaker for the um probably the number one contendership. Mm-hmm. Paula Costa bows out. So instead we get a matchup we were supposed to see about two years ago, and we get Kelvin Gastelum stepping in and fighting Robert Whitaker in, in a fight that was supposed to be um, the main event of a UFC pay-per-view about two years ago where Izzy and 
Anderson Silva ended up being the main event for that one. Okay. So who do you take in that one? Do you are you taking the Aussie Robert Whitaker or are you taking the uh, Mexicano blood and guts <laughs> Calvin Gastelum? I think I'm taking the Aussie man. Ooh. I love watching Whitaker. Mm-hmm. If he's not, if he doesn't get hurt before the fight happens, um, I like Whitaker. You know, I think Izzy Izzy beat his ass, but but before that, Whitaker was a it still is a beast, but I think it's bringing out a new level in him too. You after so? that loss, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, I think he has is. he fought anyone since then? Yeah, he fought. Um, so he's fought two people. He fought Darren Till, okay. and took him to a five round decision. It was a great fight, very nice. technical battle, really, really beautiful. Um, and then he fought Jared Cannonier, mm. um, in the same card that Khabib tapped Gaethje in. Cannonier. Beat him? Right? No, he bodied Cannoneer. Oh, okay. He bodied him. I'm just, he I was, got, uh, that's where I got it confused because Izzy beat, um, uh, Paulo Costa and then in the the post conference, he, he called like, out Cannoneer. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't want to fight Whitaker again. But. Yeah, because it, it, it didn't make sense at that point because Whitaker only had one fight since then under his right. belt. But so. now, but now, Whitaker beats, uh, um, who's he fighting against? Gastelum. Yeah. I think that happens, and yeah, I, I think, think we get the Izzy again. rematch. Yeah, Gastelum, I don't think I want to see fight Izzy again. I want to see the Robert Whitaker that I've seen show up to the past couple of fights right. show up to a fight with Israel Adesanya yeah, because yeah. I don't think it was the same person showing up that night. I agree. Whitaker has this this quick twitch about him mm-hmm. that's just disgusting. It's and so I did good. not see that against it's Izzy. It's so good. Yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about – so what's your official prediction for – uh, Usman Masvidal, because we talked about this a little bit. My heart wants to say Masvidal, <laughs> but my toes want to say Usman. Usman. <laughs> Usman's just the smart choice to make in that. Yeah, I feel like he's going to be the favorite. Um, I'm just going to root for Masvidal just because he's uh, the underdog. And yeah, that's I, the way I, to do it. Yeah, I tend to root for the underdog, underdog in any sports event. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Word. But that's so we go to that night, and that's a pay per view that has three title fights on it. Going to be the first time back in front of a crowd, which is amazing. Mm. Like, we're going to be back in Florida for that. Yeah. Um, so, the co main event of that one is another five round title fight. And it is at straw weight in the women's division. And it features the champ, Weili Zhang, taking on Thug Rose Namajunas. <sighs> For Man. that title fight. How do you think that shit goes down? Bro, that's such a tough fight to call, man. I love Thug Rose. Thug love, Rose! Bro, I love the fact that she's married to a legendary UFC fighter. Pat Barry. It's like his, her coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wei Li is... Bro, <laughs> Wei Li is scary to watch. She's like, terrifying. Who, who did she fight recently? The last fight she had was Joanna, and that was like the best title one of the best title fights yes, I've ever and seen. Yoana's forehead was like that hematoma like crimson oh. crimson chin oh. level. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough dude. Yeah. I think oh, my heart wants to say Thug Rose. Wei Li she just feels like a cold blooded killer son. That's yeah, that's my thing is I feel like she's an assassin. Yeah. Thug Rose, like you gotta think like a year ago wasn't even sure if she wanted to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll go Wei Li. I'll go Wei Li. Yeah, I'm going I'm going uh Zhang Wei Li in this fight, but it's not for 
a lack of loving Thug Rose or anything like oh, that. No. I just think if uh, Whaley's skills are all at the point that she's supposed to be highlighted right. at, I think she beats anybody. What are their uh, their physical like uh, attributes? Height, weight. Height, weight. Um, so Whaley is she has a height of five four. And, you know, it's straw weight, so we'll call it 115 that she weighs in at on right. a normal day. And then we have Thug Rose, who is 5'5", five five, so they're right around. I don't know what their reaches are compared yeah, to each other. Yeah, because that can make a big difference, but they're both well-rounded fighters. Yeah. They're both experienced. They're both beasts, man. I, yeah, it's yeah. It, that's hard to call. All right, so the other title fight we've got on this card is another good one. Mm -hmm. So we have the bullet Valentina Shevchenko at flyweight. Taking on Jessica Andrade, who was a tear at strawweight, um, mm -hmm. had some good fights at bantamweight. Um, I believe is the most prolific finisher in the women's division. I want to say I've seen Jessica Andrade fight before. The other woman, I'm not. So she took. Um, uh, Andrade is the one who took the title from Thug Rose. So she oh, took that one from Thug okay, Rose. Okay. And she also she's fought everybody in that division for the most part. Okay. Valentina used to be in the Bantamweight division at 135, had two very, very close fights with Amanda, like very close ones, and has just taken the flyweight division and run with it. Oh, okay. Through the whole thing. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go uh what's her name again? Valentina. Yeah, I'm gonna go Valentina because if you can take if you can go toe to toe with Nunez, mm -hmm. which we didn't get to talk about her, just insane. The goat, just the goat, bro. the goat. Her, you can, f you can feel her hits through <sighs> the screen. It's terrifying. It's insane. If you can go toe to toe with someone like that and then go down in weight and dominate that division, mm -hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with with them. Very good. I like that. That's a good pick. I, I'm, I'm gonna pick Valentina for that. I just don't think anybody's beating her at that division. I think the thing that makes most sense for Amanda and her is doing a third fight, which is the craziest thing to say because Amanda beat her the first two times. But who else is going to fight Amanda, no bro? One. No one. Who even wants to at this point? No one. Dude, when she fought that one girl, I was like, okay, she has a reach to her. Maybe she can, you know, <laughs> jab Amanda to death. Yeah. Dog, as soon as she felt Amanda's fists on her face, you, no could, one tell, expects it. you could tell psychologically – she was checked out. She's like, I, I don't want to be you, here. You can look at it in the, um, in the Ronda Rousey fight when she knocked oh, out Ronda. She ended Ronda, Ronda, Ronda's career. Ronda didn't want anything to do with. She's that. like, oh, this is what the champ looks like now. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that. I don't think I want to do this Fuck anymore. All that <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, couple more ones to ask you about. Gotcha, we gotcha. Got here. So, we have um, on the event after, um, the next pay per view. We have Dominic Reyes returning for the first time since losing to Jan Blahovic okay. in September of last year. Oh, man. Um, his, his that, ribs. that rib. I was just thinking oh that same God, thing. God, bro. It looked like a, a flesh-eating virus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was bad. Um, so he returns on May 1st. Okay. And he is taking on Yuri Prohaska, who I don't know if you've seen this dude. I haven't. This dude used to be in um, Ryzen or in Risen. Okay. Um, in Japan, he is, uh, twenty-seven and three in MMA. Mm -hmm. He has twenty-four of those wins by knockout, <laughs> out of twenty-seven. Two of them by submission. Only been to decision one time. Um, he has one draw. 
He has two knockout losses and one by submission. What's his name? Yuri Prohaska is his name. Yeah. I, I will mention off the top of my head because I know this for a fact. Mm-hmm. He has avenged two of the three losses. That oh, he's man. Had. So he finished. He finishes unfinished business. Yes. Okay. So he's finished it. So that's a huge event that's coming up on May 1st. I know yeah. you're not super familiar with him so far, but just upon hearing that, Dominic I... Reyes, Yuri Prohaska. Hearing 23 out of 27 victories going by knockout, and then on top of that, getting two submissions mm-hmm. shows he's he's somewhat rounded as a as a fighter. Is that is that going too far to say? No, I think I think you're exactly right on yeah. that point. I'm gonna go with 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 Yuri then. Yeah, I I, I loved uh, I love that fight with with. I'm so bad at names, dog. No, you're good. <laughs> and this wine is kind of getting to me, so I feel it. I know. <laughs> well, I know what's how it what's goes. Uh, what's his name? Um, Dominic Reyes. Dominic yeah, Reyes. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, man, watching him against Yam was tough. Yeah, because that kick to the ribs was just constantly there. Um, Yam is a southpaw or no? Is that that's because I I thought like their fighting stances had something I to do with why so, yeah. he kept. He kept getting that kick there. Yeah, it was it was hard to watch, and I don't know if it was a factor going through the Jones fight and thinking he won that beforehand. Right. And he was like, "I'm good if I can beat John Jones." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with this Yuri Cat because uh, it's impressive to be able to, even if it's not UFC, to be able to go 23 out of 27 and then mm-hmm. still get those two, and on top of that, finish off his losses. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the underdog. I um so this is a bold prediction that I'm gonna make on this podcast, but mm-hmm. I mean everything I say with that. Yeah, yeah. I think not only Yuri Prohaska wins this fight with Dominic Reyes, mm-hmm. I think that he becomes light heavyweight champion by the end of 2021. Really? I think he's that good. He's that good. Um, I gotta check him out. The then. only big thing, so his only fight in the UFC f- so far has been against Vulcan Uzdemir, who you probably know is a seasoned vet at light heavyweight. And had never been knocked out to that point, like actually knocked out. DC uh-huh. DC TKO'd him. Okay. But he had never been like knocked out. Right, right. Yuri folded his ass. Really? Folded him. That's like, the only fight he's had like in the Knee UFC. ligament concerns. <laughs> like folded like lights were gone. Good night. Soul left. And this is at Risen? Uh no, this is in the UFC. He did this. This is oh. first and only fight in the UFC. He oh, did okay, okay. So he has a history then, at least with yeah. the UFC. Ate a lot of shots okay. during that fight. So that's the o- that's the only concern I have with him is he ate a lot of shots from Vulcan Ozdemir. And if you do that at light heavyweight and you fuck around with those games, you might, that's a problem. You might go out. Yes. Yeah. So like that's a big problem I have. But this guy keeps evolving, and he's had experience. Okay. And the fact that you are twenty seven and three. Right. Coming into the UFC is crazy. You've not only won, mm-hmm. you also have mad experience. Yeah. Winning. So it's and not, not like against scrubs. And right. not against scrubs. Right. So it, it's – I think that and, – and that was something that I was concerned with with the Izzy fight is, mm-hmm. is I was like if Izzy's light heavyweight champion, he's still going to lose to Yuri, that's, which is – like that's how strongly I believe wow. in this dude. 
And you love, like, Izzy's our boy. I love Izzy. Yeah. He's my favorite fighter of all time, but that's how yeah. strongly I feel about this dude. I always I had that fear about him. Izzy, that if he became champ champ and he stayed up there, he would have gotten stars. It goes to your head sometimes. Yeah. It just does. But he, I got to check this year guy out. Though. He's awesome. You so got to check him out. He's moving up to light heavyweight, though? No, he was a light heavyweight before, but he okay. um, he's staying at light heavyweight. So gotcha, he does gotcha. That. All right. Two more I want to ask you about before we get out of here. So we have... Corey Sanhagen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched Corey Sanhagen. No. Fucking monster. Okay. Last fight, he finished Frankie Edgar in about 30 seconds. Oh, I saw that knockout. Yeah, that's Corey Sanhagen. That was disgusting. That's Corey Sanhagen. Okay. Did that, just that standing knee that yeah. he did? Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's Corey Sanhagen. Got you. Before that fight, he wheel kicked Marlon Moraes and finished him, right? So he's an athlete. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't even sum it up. <laughs> um... Aljamain Sterling had the right game plan against Corey and okay. choked him out. Gotcha. Right? V- had the the exact game plan he was doing. Rushed him early. He got him in a choke. He finished him on the ground. It was like a minute into the fight. Nice. Like he got him he got him isolated early and done. Before that, um Sanhagen had also won fights between Rafael Sansal, who is a uh, like a staple in the Bantamweight division in the UFC. I've heard of this guy. And he also um Fought John Lineker, who is another fucking badass in the UFC. Mm. So this man is, he's earned his dues. He's earned his shot at whatever he was doing. His fight against Aljamain was supposed to be that, but what's in the past in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Gets Marlon Marais, which was the number one contender at the time. Gets Frankie Edgar, who's a hot up-and-comer. Now he has a chance to really solidify himself in the division. Mm-hmm. When he takes on the returning TJ Dillashaw, Oh. Who is coming off of a two-year suspension right. for his use of EPO? Has it been two years it's already? Been two years already. Can you believe that? <laughs> oh my god, bro! Weren't we in Westside when that happened? When he got suspended, or might have been? I think like it was a little bit before that, but I think before. we were talking about that. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So he, um, so he makes his return, mm-hmm. but let's not forget that before getting suspended. TJ Dillashaw was Monster. considered like the best bantamweight of all time. Monster. He's still sixteen and four. Only been finished by knockout twice. Only been taken a decision twice. Mm. Bro, um, got the biggest upset on um, on Hen and Barrow possible mm. that nobody ever thought. What are your early predictions for this fight? I'm curious to see how Dillashaw looks mm-hmm. post suspension. Because even with John Jones, he looked a little rusty against OSP. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And I think going straight into it against uh, uh, what's this guy's name? Um, Corey Sanhagen. Oh man, to to go up against an athlete like that that can knock out uh, Edgar mm-hmm. in the, in that way, mm-hmm. that's a little scary for me. Like, how quickly are you going to be able to uh, not adapt, but get used to the speed of the UFC again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a even, hard thing. You're a professional fighter, so you know what to expect, but mm-hmm. this is a guy who can – he like, he's Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. attuning your reflexes to somebody like that, I think it's not something that you can do overnight. Mm-hmm. Man. I'm going to go with this Copenhagen motherfucker. No, the Sanhagen. <laughs> yes, Copenhagen. I love it. Yeah, um, I, honestly, I'm taking Corey Sanhagen here, too. Yeah? 
he he's shown so much evolution okay. in his game. And I I focus on that more than I focus on most aspects of MMA. I feel like is it's how you grow and mm-hmm. how you do everything because people it's different than boxing. Whereas like one loss in boxing can fuck up your whole shit, mm-hmm. but in MMA losses just help you grow. Yeah, and that's I, interesting the way you put that too. Yeah, I, I I just think that's a real thing that happens with it, and I think he's never gonna let what happened with Aljamain happen again. Mm. And just the energy he comes out with, it's just fucking crazy. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Dude, he comes out to give me the loot every time. When oh, he's coming really? Out. So, like, every time you hear him walk in, you're hearing as he's enter- entering the actual cage, you're hearing, give me the loot, give me the loot. Oh, and it, like, goodness. it gets Damn. you hyped on, right. on the outside of it, too, because you're like, this dude's fucking ready to go. Oh, that's scary. To come off a two-year break, off of a PED suspension, mind you. Yeah. Because... Dillashaw was a beast. Yeah. We've yet to see what he looks like off of it. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm fucking pissed he did that. Yeah. I, we'll I, get, I get so mad when people just use. I, I don't like it. because it's cheating, people can it's cheating. People can make any excuse they want, but there are athletes that are coming up clean every fight. Right. And there are still people that I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard one for me. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with 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 Sanhagen. Though. I'm gonna go with Sanhagen yeah. too for that one. But if Dillashaw comes out and he he makes a statement, then I'll never doubt him again. I just can't. Yeah, that, I, there, there's no room to it. You that can't point. you can't come off a suspension like that, a PED suspension, and still beat someone the way you're, you're describing. Yep, and be doubted after that. It's yep. just it, it just can't happen. Hundred percent. Yeah. All right, last one I want to ask you about before right. we get off of the MMA topic. And you probably know because it's going to be the biggest fight of the summer. Mm-hmm. So we just got word the other day. Yes, sir. I reported it last week. We're going into the trilogy, finally. So uh, Dustin Poirier on July 10th will be taking on Conor McGregor for the third oh, time. Man. First fight back at UFC whenever because <laughs> I'm not good with numbers. <laughs> um, Conor takes him out in the first round. Yep. This time, coming back into it, Dustin makes the adjustments. He knocks Connor out in the second round, Whoa. something nobody's done before. Brutal, bro. So I ask you now, who takes the trilogy? And it's going to be the most talked about fight of the year. We both know that. I'm going Dustin. Yeah. Yeah. My man. I just, I feel like, I personally just don't feel like Connor's heart is, is in it anymore, man. It's it's yeah. It's 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 not that it's not in it. Like I know this guy loves to fight, but it's almost like how how much how in it can you be if you know you got a hundred mil in the bank mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. I'm I think I heard he just he just sold proper twelve for a hundred mil. Jesus. And I think he keeps some profit. So it's like, dog, you you're imagine? sad. You're set. The fact that you're even fighting anybody shows how much you love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm going Dustin, man, just because he seems like he's a hungrier guy. He's He's been in the game. Like, he's been active in the game. Yeah. Way longer. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Connor win since That's Nate. my thing. Like, no, 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 no. Since Eddie, Cowboy. Since Cowboy. Cowboy. Oh, I forget about that But fight. that, right. But because right. it feels like it was a blip. It feels like it was a blip. And I don't, career, I don't yeah. feel like. 
Cowboy was ready for that fight. Was I still kind don't. of a freak knockout with his shoulder. Because yeah, he tried was. that shit on, on Dustin. It didn't work. Nope. Nah. Nope. Um, yeah, I'm going Dustin. And, you know, we'll see. Because hopefully Connor comes up with some type of method to, to check those calf kicks. But. Yeah. If Connor comes up with the right game plan and has the right coaching, he could beat anybody on any, any given day. And I will say that. Yeah. No one's beating Dustin Poirier right now. And I'll go so. on record and say that. No. Yeah. I think he's... He's in his prime. He's in his prime. He's the honor... He's like... If Eddie is the underground king, he's also the underground king. Like yeah. he, there, There's another thing with that. Yeah. He has the interim belt, which will go down as a belt. Yeah. But I believe he's always been the lightweight champion outside of Khabib. Because he's always been... Taking on everybody, yep. finishing everybody. That's true, man. You got to give credit to somebody who's just like line them up. Mm-hmm. I don't care who it is. I'll fight them. That was my thing is he like – so um, the beginning of my experience with him, I watch, uh, I watch him um, knock out Bobby Green at UFC 199. Mm-hmm. Then I watched him lose to Michael Johnson in like a flash knockout, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Then he fights Jim Miller. And has a great fight with him. Fights Showtime Pettit. Or no. Fights Eddie before that. Goes to a no contest. Then fights um, Showtime. And finishes Showtime. Mm. Then fights Gaethje and finishes Gaethje. Which like. That's just a murderous row. Not people are doing that. Then fights Eddie. Beats Eddie Alvarez. Supposed to fight Nate Diaz. That fight falls through. Then fights Max Holloway for the belt. Which. People counted him out for that because mm-hmm. Max is so good. Right. But people also forget, too, he beat Max at featherweight. Okay. Like, that's the other thing, too, is he beat oh, him before I didn't, I didn't that know he fight. Beat, he beat Max at featherweight. Yeah, so he beat him before that fight, okay. too. So then goes in, and even when people are talking about Max is such a volume striker and does this and does that. And I'm a Max fan. Like, don't <laughs> get me wrong. I'm a huge Max fan. Oh, yeah. But he goes in and from the beginning. Let's his presence known. Like, you are not taking me the fuck out of here. I got to catch this fight. You are not catching. Yeah, Dustin versus versus Max is amazing. And it was – what's cool about it is it's the co-main event of that night Mm -hmm. (laughs) was Izzy and Gastelum, Uh, which is one of the best fights ever. Yeah. So it goes from that to this other fight. And immediately when it starts, the the commentators are like, we can't possibly have another one on our hands, right? (laughs) And it is. Like, both fights were so good that Dana awarded fight of the night to both of them. Damn. That's not common? No, not at all. Mm. So then does that, gets tapped by Khabib. But let's be real. If he jumped jumped the guard to that guillotine, new champion. I still have to watch that fight. It's it's so good. It was you hard. You were watching it during West Side. I remember. It was hard to watch it during West Side because Bro, I'm a it was huge like Dustin two, fan. Two two p.m. Yep. during our match because they were in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, for, for exactly. that one. So he does that, devastated by that loss. Got obviously, it. naturally comes back and has a five round fucking war with Dan Hooker. Mm-hmm. War with oh, him. Yeah. Great yeah, fight. fight. And then yeah, yeah. and then is like, I'll take anybody in the division. Takes Connor out of a red panty night. Everybody's counting him out. Breaks him down. Breaks him. And may I say, coming out to James Brown's The Boss and then walking back after he knocks out Connor to James Brown's Payback. 
that I didn't I didn't hear him playing. That was the most gangster shit of all fucking Bro, time. That's, I fuck with Dustin because he seems real. This man walks out to the boss by James Brown, <laughs> knocks out one of the most known <laughs> MMA fighters in the whole world, man. and then walks back to the fucking payback. payback. Now let me ask you this, right? I, I we both feel like Dustin's gonna beat Connor. Yes. I feel like. The next champ in line at 155, can you guess what I'm going to say? You're either going Gaethje or you're going Michael Chandler at this point. Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler. Bro. Well, do you know about the announced light lightweight fight no. that they're doing? So. Oh, shit. In June, I believe. Okay. June or May, one mm. of the two. Um. So in one of those months. Khabib officially vacated. Yep. So he is done. Mm-hmm. He's officially done. No Dana convincing. No <laughs> Dana way. tried so hard, bro. <laughs> Dana was dude. He was he was straight up about to convert to Islam <laughs> for him. So just be like Khabib, if you call back for They're one more, we'll do Ramadan together. Man. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it is officially, and I I I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. It is going to be Charles Oliveira. Mm-hmm. Taking on Michael Chandler for the UFC lightweight title. I wish I knew who Charles Oliveira was, bro. So he just worked Khabib, or not Khabib? He worked Tony in Tony's last fight. Oh, worked him. That's the guy who did him. it. Okay, Cap Kevin Lee. Before that, was also on a six-fight winning streak. So he's on an eight-fight winning streak right now. Has been a staple of the UFC for years and years and years. Mm. Has fought everybody. Paul Felder, Frankie Edgar, um, Max Holloway. Um, I think he fought Dustin. Did he fight Dustin? I'll I'll have to look, and I think he might have fought. He's fought everybody. Yeah. And now he's at this point. He sunk this armbar in on Tony when they fought. That would have broke any other man's arm. I I saw that part of the fight yes. and remember yeah. being shocked. That That's Charles Oliveira. Okay. I, I'm surprised Tony – not only <laughs> didn't have his shit broken, but didn't tap. No, how could you not tap from that? Only Tony, only, only Tony. Tony, only, only Tony. fucking Tony. So, who do you got? Well, let's go. Let's let the Oliveira fight first. Fuck, that's such a hard fight for me, bro. Watching Michael Chandler on that, it was it, that was. I know he his debut was the Izzy fight, right? That cost the fight. Um, his was the um. No, it was the. You're you're switching him because he fought Hooker, so he was against uh Izzy teammate for that fight. Okay, but he that was on that was the co-main of the Dustin and Connor fight, the second one. Really? So that yeah, that just happened in January. Dude, it was that recently. Yeah, that, it was that, that recently. Dustin fought whole or not yeah. Dustin. Um, now I'm lost. Where Both of them, Chandler yeah. and um, Chandler. Chandler and Hooker. Chandler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great fight. Yeah, uh, bro. Chandler just we're we're going back to like talking about an athlete as a fighter, mm. dude. Chandler just yep. doosh, 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 that's it. Just traps like <sighs> make his neck look super. How does, does that a do back like flip? One fifty five. Dude, that's what I was thinking. I remember I was with my god brother and we were watching this fight. Hooker. Against Chandler, at least Chandler. Sound Puerto Rican as fuck. <laughs> Chandler. It's a good thing. Um, they their body types. Chandler looked at least one seventy. Yeah. Just, 
I don't know, man. I, I love watching Chandler fight. And he has this, this jumpiness to him. This aggressive twitchiness to him mm-hmm. that I love to watch. And, oh, man, that's tough to call. I, I'm going to take him against Oliveira just because I don't know Oliveira. Okay. But let's go forward to a potential title title fight with Dustin versus Chandler. Ooh. Who you got? I don't even know who I got. I don't know who I got in that one. That's a hard one for me. Right now, I'm going to say Dustin. Your heart's saying Dustin? Right now, my heart is saying Justin, but my gut is also saying Dustin because there's only a certain amount of wealth of experience you get from the UFC. Mm. And Dustin has been there since the beginning of his career. That makes sense. So he's been able to fight everybody that's going through Every the Every killer that's come through that Yeah. Beginning. And Chandler is legit. Yeah. If he beat Poirier, I would not be surprised. He's the champ, right, at Bellator? He was, yeah. He was. He was, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. He had two all-time classics with um, with Eddie Alvarez, who we were talking about before. Nice. Um, but I just think that at the end of the day, experience outweighs everything else. I think so, too. Yeah. And I think Dustin's got that on him. Being a veteran, I think a lot of people take that that type of experience for granted yeah you know yeah but we'll see we'll see what the fuck i just hope the fight happens we could see if things go a a way they're maybe supposed to we could see a connor michael chandler fight i'm taking michael in that fight then yeah yeah i love connor dude but i'm just i doubt this man now because it's like you haven't had a victory it's the inconsistency that's what it is and it's also the fact that Watching him against Dustin, mm-hmm. that's it looked and sounded like a different Connor. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, he didn't want to talk shit. No, he didn't. He didn't want to get in his opponent's head. And if you think about it, a lot of his big victories came from the fact that before they even stepped into that octagon, Eddie Alvarez, Dustin, Jose Aldo, jo- Jose Aldo. Exactly. He's I was just gonna mention him. Fucking. I don't know about Max so much because Max is like he's a Hawaiian go with the flow type of guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but those three specifically, those are his three big victories. Yep. Him. Oh, even um, what's his name? When he goes, I'll rest my balls on your forehead. <laughs> um, Mendez. Me- Chad Mendez. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Those four victories. <laughs> I would say it could be mostly <laughs> that's such a good comeback, bro. <laughs> such a good comeback. Oh um, my god. I would say those four victories can mostly be attributed to the fact that he just shat talking to death. Yeah, hundred percent. They were in their head by the time they started fighting. You know? But once that gimmick kind of wore off, specifically with Khabib, it became a what are you bringing to the actual table as a fighter? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When Khabib had him on the ground, he's going, let's talk now, and he's punching the Right. Face and don't get me wrong. Movie. Connor's nasty. Yeah. Connor's nasty. Connor, there's a reason Connor McGregor's as big as right. a, a, he, a he, banana. He didn't become a contender just through shit talking. Mm-mm. You know, he's a skilled fighter, but I think his persona kind of, in a way, overrated him. Yeah. It's hard to say, but I, I think that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. It, it's hard with him. Hopefully he gets it back. I would love to yeah. see. I would My ideal scenario for the third fight between him and Dustin would be mm. a five-round decision that gets fight of the year. 
mm. that Dustin wins. Yeah. But that still legitimizes Connor as this guy who's not out yet. Right. You think you think Connor's done if he loses something like that? I think he is. Yeah. I that would I, be too, bro. I I don't I don't think he fights for anything unless it's for belts anymore. Why would why you? would you? Why would why you? Why would you? Son? DC said the same thing. Like why well, why fight when I'm not fighting for Dude, belts and CTE's a serious thing. Yeah. It's a serious issue. Yeah. And if what he became a, a hundred millionaire by what, twenty nine? Yeah, by like thirty. Yeah. He finished it. By You're that. good, dog. You're yeah. good. You just sold Babel just told me you sold proper twelve, I told you, for a hundred million. Mm-hmm. So so not only did you make a hundred mil off of the Mayweather fight, you doubled down on that shit. Yeah. Exactly. So you're probably well on your way if you keep playing your cards right to being a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Why would you fuck that Why up? Why would you fuck that up? Especially with so many risks in that. In a that. smart person wouldn't. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. That's gonna we know right now that's like the most anticipated fight of the oh, year. Most definitely. I remember getting that announcement on my Bleacher Report app and being like, mm-hmm. like we know it's you down. Know it's gonna be it's fire going down. Like that. <laughs> it's sick. Uh, brother, where can we find you on social media? Oh my goodness, I'm not even on social media like that. But let me let me <laughs> let me check what my I know Instagram you're on Instagram, is. right? Yeah, yeah, I'm on Instagram at. Alejandro understore underscore underscore dude this wine and not being able to warm up before is kicking my ass right now <laughs> I mean we're three hours in so you've gotten are we three hours in Bro, we've done three hours already. Son, time flies when you're so you fuck with I know <laughs> seriously uh so it's Instagram under Alejandro underscore Gabriel underscore Gomez and then on Twitter you can catch me at at Gabo, all caps G A B O, underscore the kid D A. I love it. K I D. That's the perfect way to find you. You know it's unique and shit like that. <laughs> perfect. And you can find us. You know that we are at um, Average Ordinary Pod at most social media. So on Facebook, where that if you type in Facebook dot com slash Average Ordinary Pod. If you're on Instagram, just search Average Ordinary Pod. We are going to get on Twitter soon. And I hopefully will have um, someone to help me out with that very soon. But (laughs) for now, man, thank you for coming. I love you, brother. Man, I love you more, man. Thank (laughs) you for having me. I know. We'll we'll have to do this again because I feel like even though we've done all this time, we've still got so much more to talk about and shit. so much to talk about. We always will. Um, next week I have my cousin Natalie Brown on here. She's making her appearance. She will be on um next friday premiering next saturday for now have a great week everybody take care of your mental health rest in peace to dmx i didn't say that through this whole thing oh, but yes. rest in peace x um first hip-hop I, song i ever heard was party up so this is this is a special one for me that he's gone r.i.p dmx yeah. for real man r.i.p to the to the absolute legend he didn't deserve to go through as much as he did and fuck prince philip yeah for real <laughs> but for now Stay positive, stay happy. We will see you next Saturday. Bye, y'all.
It's me, Andrew Lentz from the future, telling you that your dream is going to come true. What? No way! Yeah, you're going to have an awesome podcast called Let's Talk But No Politics, okay? And new episodes come out every Sunday on... BSA!